We are hosting today's broadcast from the lands of the Karingai people. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of country and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Nifty from Jerome Luai, skipping about and showing. What about that from Jerome Luai? What about the grandstand jump from Montaigne? It's over. The Golden State Warriors return to a familiar place. They're on top of the NBA world. The fourth title in eight years. Nice. Shot. He keeps it going. This is incredible. Oh. Dylan Brown, Sean Lyon, don't tell me. Out it comes, William Blake, Mike Casino. Absolutely incredible. And Ripley makes the save. It's a save that means the World Cup for Australia. No one gave them much of a chance. But never, ever right off the soccer room. And now, Overnight Scores, expert comment and controversy on the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. A very good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend this Sunday, the 19th of June. Ryan Phelan filling in again for Ray Thomas, who's over in the UK at Royal Ascot. He will be joining us this morning to talk racing and give us the full wash-up from a great five-day carnival over there in England. But what a massive week it's been in sport. The Socceroos through to another World Cup. Nature Strip dominating the world's best sprinters and a cracking round of NRL action with some major talking points ahead of Origin 2 to discuss that and plenty more this morning. Good morning, Dean Ritchie. Yeah, good morning, Ryan. Good morning, everybody. Another... Great night of footy to you. I thought that Roosters-Eels game last night was Cracker, an wasn't absolute it? belter. And that try, I think just before halftime to Mike Acevo, went through 12 sets of hands. And I say to you, fair, we don't see that that often these days because the defensive structures are so effective. So it was really good. It was like a bit of a throwback to the 80s when the ball got pinged around. And uh, it certainly will be the try of the year. Well, it was a great bounce back from the Parramatta Eels, wasn't it? Because we've got to remember on Monday, they had it handed to them by the Bulldogs of all teams. So a short turnaround, they had to really bounce back and they did last night. They were certainly entertaining, but their forwards, I thought, really got through a lot of work. Defensively, they were very sound. And even though the Roosters themselves put on some entertaining passages. It really was a dominant performance by Parramatta. At their best, they're very, very good. But at their worst, which we saw on Monday, you know, they're they're pretty poor. So they've got to straighten themselves out and get a bit more consistency. But that was a good effort last night. Yeah, it certainly was, Ryan. They're a very difficult team to trust if you're having a bet. Mm. You're never quite sure which Parramatta side is going to turn up. But as you say... If the real Parramatta side turns up in those finals, well, they can bowl over anybody, which they've proven this year. High-quality game. It was fast. It was physical. Seven tries, exhilarating stuff in the first half. And it just leaves the Roosters slipping off the pace, Ryan. Mm. I think they're now seven wins from 15 games. Uh, I thought they'd win the competition pre-season. I tipped them. And even after five, six, seven rounds, I still thought they could come back and win it. But... Gee, the last few weeks I'm starting to think now that I've backed the wrong horse here and I don't think the Chooks can win it. Yeah, there's been some positives the last couple of weeks. Joseph Suwali has been terrific, but I guess it's their engine room that's that's really got to 
you know, work work things out. They do have the cattle there and definitely the coach to to maybe get it right uh, post-origin. And we've seen that many, many times, haven't we, that certain teams can just really respond well after origin. Perhaps the Roosters could be that sort of team, but they really need something to ignite them. A few talking points out of that game last night. Regan Campbell-Gillard on report for a crusher tackle and Lindsay Collins, a lifting tackle. So they're two origin players. And we might bring that into a bit of an origin discussion now because... There's certainly concerns. Regan Campbell-Gillard's position might have been a little bit dicey, regardless, I think, as far as selection is concerned. What did you make of it, uh, of those particular incidents? And I guess a thought towards selection for Origin 2. Yeah, I looked at both closely, Ryan. I think there might be a charge or two in there, but maybe headed toward more of a fine than a suspension. So, look, I'd be surprised if either was made unavailable by the Match Review Committee. Uh, look, the side from New South Wales will be picked tonight at 7pm. Uh, look, Jack Whiten won't be there, Ryan. So he's, he's got, got COVID, COVID, right? Yep. So they won't risk him, given it's probably knocked him around. Plus, obviously, they don't want him in camp. So you'd imagine that Stephen Crichton would go in there. Uh, I think Tony Staggs was struggling to hold his place. He may well still be. But whether they now keep him, having lost one centre. Uh, Matt Burton's another option as a centre or coming off the bench as a 14. Uh, Talakai is another option at centre. And as for that utility bench player, either Burton, Hines, Reese Robson, or Appy Corusau. Corusau at the moment, the street corner tip suggests that he's got his nose slightly in front. Yeah, well, there was discussion on Fox Sports uh, with the commentary team there that there was vision of Appy Corusau celebrating in the Sheds after that game with the news that he had been selected as number 14 for New South Wales. That's obviously yet to be ratified. That increases their ruck speed, which I think was definitely a problem in game one. We know Api Corusau has performed well in the past. Does that solve utility problems or do you think they need an extra utility on the bench New South Wales? How do you see their bench playing out? Because if you to compare the two sides from game one, the Queensland bench dominated the New South Wales bench, and that's probably the area where New South Wales really need to make some changes. Yeah, absolutely, Ron, 100%. I think in game one, Damien Cook just needed a little bit of help. I thought having one dummy half didn't quite work for the Blues, so having that second option, like Queensland did, they started with Ben Hunt through Harry Grant into the game. It's the way it's done in a lot of these modern-day teams. So, yeah, I think Coruscant will make a big difference. I think Jake Trebojevic, the male I'm getting, is that he will earn a recall to tighten up the middle a bit there. Uh, you mentioned Madison and Campbell-Gillard. Mm. They are struggling. Uh, Angus Crichton, Tyson Frizzell, two others that will be looked at. Just up there in Queensland, uh, Reuben Cotter, missing. Hamstring in the warm-up, playing for the Cowboys against Manly. Yep. You'd think Patrick Carrigan would start. And the new bench player could either be uh, Thomas Flegler or South Sydney's Jai Arrow. So Queensland, yet again, got plenty of depth and will send out one hell of a side yep. on Sunday week in Perth. Xavier Coates is the other one for Queensland as well. They've got to find a replacement winger there. Um, uh, Murray Talagi or uh, Hamiso Tabuai Fidao uh, could be probably the options there. Um, what are you thinking ahead of game two? Because obviously we don't, in New South Wales, need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. They lost by six points. You know, they could, Isaiah Yo could have scored under the post in that dying minute there. And, you know, if it goes to extra time, New South Wales probably win it. So there's been the thought 
you don't want to really want to make too many changes. And should Freddie Fittler be picking from that squad that he picked? I mean, because there's been suggestions of picking players that aren't even in that original squad selected. Yeah, look, I, I'm with you. I wouldn't say that New South Wales has gone into a state of panic, mm. but there's been a lot of criticism, and rightly so, Ryan. It's state of origin, and we have to win. There's no two ways about it. When I say we, I'm clearly referring to New South Wales. Having said that, as you say, quite rightly, we lost by six points. Isaiah Yo stretches out his arm. It's two inches longer. We're probably going to extra time. It's, it's, it's all level at full time. So, look, I think there's a perception thing too, Ryan, where you feel if you've lost that you have to make a couple of changes. But you also don't want to make too many because then you're deemed to be panicking, mm. quote, unquote. I'd say there'd be two or three changes. That'd be about all. One I did overlook too a few months ago was Josh Adokar. He's right back in the frame again. Yep. I was one of the critics, I guess you could say, that wanted him there in the first place. I think he's been a great Blues player for many years, heart and soul, and of course a proven winner and try scorer. Whether that's for Daniel Tupo, he'd be the only one. But Tupo did run for over 200 metres in that first game and had about 23 carries. So he would be unlucky, Tupo, to be dropped. Isn't that also, if, if he gets picked, Josh Adokar, could you also say, well, that's Freddie Fittler showing his hand that he got it wrong because he wasn't even picked in the squad. He's been one of New South Wales' best players in recent years. Yes, he's been down on form at the Bulldogs, but we've seen Queensland year in, year out. There's been players, you go back in the history of Queensland, that they've picked him out of reserve grade pretty much. You know, they don't care about form in Queensland. They care about the right players, not the form players. And Josh Adokar, I thought, probably should have been picked for game one. I think a lot of people agree with me. So if Freddie Fittler picks him now. Is that Freddie pretty much putting his hand up and saying that I got it wrong in the first place with the squad that I picked he ahead could. of game one? He could come out and say, look, I got it wrong. However, I guess... If you are looking for a reason, Josh wasn't picked because he was going to mark up on Xavier Coates, who is considerably taller. Of course, Xavier Coates won't be there this time. Mm -hmm. So maybe Freddie could say, well, look, if Coates is not going to be there, we'll go back to a proven performer in Josh Adokar. I think Adokar should be there. That's just my opinion. Uh, I like Burton at centre. I like Coruscant off the bench. I think it gives us a bit more thrust, a bit more speed, a bit more agility. But again... Yeah, you look at that Queensland side, Ryan, it's red hot. Mm. And they're in form, they're full of confidence. And you know, we were wacky in this side last year. We won the first game 50 points to six. And the second game, I think, was 28 nil, something along those lines. So it's a really fierce bounce back from Queensland. And that's what happens every year when you write them off, they come back at you. I'll tell you what's different ahead of game two, though. Um, two out of the three Queensland sides have lost this weekend. Um and the Cowboys were lucky to get up over Manly. Broncos had it handed to them, and the Titans were pretty poor. I think that sort of form does have something to say when it, it comes to origin. Then you look at a team like Panthers, 40 points to six over the Warriors, and they've got six players going into this New South Wales side, if we're to believe Appy Corusau, um is getting picked. That form counts for something, particularly for Nathan Cleary and the confidence that he's been able to get on the two games since State of Origin that he's played for Parramatta because he was poor in game one. And so much of, I guess, the criticism was levelled at him um, for their loss. So for the fact that he's playing well, his side's in form, he's going to have a lot of his teammates around him in form for game two, I think that says a lot. Yeah, I think that's another reason why Crichton will come in. He's got the combination there and 
I actually, Ryan, thought Nathan's self-appraisal was overly critical. I didn't think he was as bad as what some people thought. I wrote my story that night about Nathan Cleary, and I suggested in my story that I don't think his game was up to scratch and his kicking game was poor under pressure. I stand by that. But then Nathan came out himself and tore shreds off himself. And I thought, actually, it was brutally honest, and I applaud him for fronting up and being that harsh on his own efforts in game one. But I thought he was a bit hard on himself. I really did. I thought, gee, this kid has really become mature and a winner to the point now where any loss, he seems to take it on his own shoulders. That That's a hell of a burden to carry around, but that's who Nathan is. Mm. He's, a, he's a, a player who has grown into this superstar who thinks he has to lead every side to victory. And that's not a bad trait. That's what all the great players do. Mm. They carry that responsibility. But I thought overall, I didn't think his performance was as bad as what he made out himself. Just on Cleary, but Ivan... Let's talk about him at the moment because, again, not in the, the coach's box for that uh, Panthers victory over the Warriors. What, what's the latest with him and, and his health? Yeah, he's got blood clots, which are deeply concerning, Ryan, as we all know. Uh, he, he had a knee problem and he got surgery. It didn't mend. He went in for a second surgery. He was a bit unsure why it wasn't mending quick enough. Then they realised it was blood clots and one had gone into his lung. So he spent last Saturday night at the Marta Hospital in at uh, North Sydney on the lower North Shore. Uh, he wanted to go to Redcliffe yesterday, but was told he couldn't fly. He even harboured the idea of driving up there, but clearly the doctor said, look, a 21-hour round trip would be insane. So Ivan watched that game uh, from his living room. But look, he, he, in front of the media late last week, he played it down as Ivan does. I don't think he was real comfortable discussing his own private medical issues with the media and the general public, but it's certainly a, a watch this space with Ivan and you know, blood clots aren't anything you want to be mucking around no. with. If you've got an, an issue, you've got to get it right. And this has now gone back six weeks. So hopefully Ivan's over the, the worst of it. He claims he's feeling good. And even club officials up there say late last week, it was as good as they've seen him in that six weeks. So it's a watch this space. But you know, if it happens again, I, I guess, you know, the club officials might have to sit down and just have a chat of, as to how they can mm. manoeuvre Ivan around these issues. The Cronulla Sharks, 18 points to 10 over the Titans. And look, it, it's fair to say it was a pretty average game all around. Matt Moylan was good. It was his uh, 31st birthday um, in that particular game. <sighs> Talking point again, sadly, though, Bulldog. Uh, right on pretty much full time, a try was denied by the bunker. Look, it was going to be a consolation try, but it was a spectacular Titans try which was denied by the bunker after it was ruled that Matt Moylan knocked on. It was just probably frustrating. Yes, to the letter of the law, they probably got it right. But it was just frustrating to see for, for a lot of rugby league fans. I went on Twitter, Ryan, because you know I hate the bunker. Yeah. I always have. I hate the bunker. <laughs> and I said, please, can we reduce the bunker's influence? I reckon about 90% said, yes, I agree. But there was the 10%. As you say, letter of the law maybe was a knock-on. There's not even a guarantee that was a knock-on. Sure. It could have been deemed a knock-back. The only thing I found ridiculous was that we were robbed of a wonderful try and Cronulla were the beneficiary of their own knock-on. How do you get a benefit of having a try disallowed when you're the one that's committed the knock-on? Mm. It was just ridiculous. 
Sometimes I say, you know what? Let it go. Yeah. Reduce the buckers influence. Get them out of our lives, please. Want to go back to South's loss the other night as well. I mean, what a poor performance it was by South against the Dragons. Lachlan Elias looked like he was dragged after about 30 minutes. You know, there's talk that they'll be a different side when Latrell Mitchell comes back. But look, I don't know. From what they served up there the other night, surely... They're going to need more than Latrell Mitchell to get them out of the funk that they're in. It was one of those games you kept looking up, Ryan, thinking, am I really watching this? A middle-of-the-field dragon side. Let's be honest, they're not well beaters than Georgia Lawara. And it was 32 minutes. Uh, 32 nil, rather, after about 30 minutes. That's just embarrassing. There's no way of sugarcoating that at all. And for South Sydney, that was a shameful performance. Mm. And I'm sure they were the first to admit it. Uh, Lachlan Ilias got dragged after 28 minutes. Your playmaker. That's how bad it got. That will knock the kid for six. They'll try to, to, to gather around Lachlan Ilias, and he's a good young kid and he's a good young player. But that will knock him for six. Mm. To be dragged as the playmaker, not even at half time when your side's getting walloped. I don't know where to for South. So I, I still think when Latrell's back, and if they're fully fit and focused, they can have a crack and give this comp a good old fashioned rattle. But if they're the performances that they've got in them, gee, lucky to make the weight. Mm. Lucky and, to make the weight. And in the other game, um, oh, I tipped Manly. Oh, how, so did I. How did they lose that game? That's That that will sting for Des. I know Des well. I didn't hear from him. Normally he rings, so clearly he was feeling the pinch. What was it, Ryan? 30, uh, they're up by 16, 17 points. Yep. Uh, 26-12 it was with seven minutes to go and got beaten. Mm. They're the ones you look back on in August when you're hovering around the top eight trying to get in and think, geez, those were the two points we just absolutely threw away. Good luck to the Cowboys, though, Ryan. Yet again, they've shown they've got resilience. They're the real deal. Absolutely. Outside of skill, they've got resilience. But for Manly to blow that and lose 28-26 was devastating for the Sea Eagles. And that will be a loss they'll look back on and rue, no doubt, in the coming months. A big show today. Um, as I mentioned, Ray Thomas will be joining us from the UK to talk all of the racing, not just from Royal Ascot, but also yesterday from Rose Hill and also the Ipswich Cup up there in Queensland. We'll delve a little bit deeper into the weekend of rugby league and look ahead to State of Origin with Zorba. Peter Peters will join us. Of course, the super quiz is back. Everyone loves the, the quiz. Oh, and I love it. Last it week, controversial last week. always is. It just comes with controversy. What's the score? It, was, it, de- it divided, divided everyone last week because, of course, when, you know, one of our contestants... When I got beaten, I sucked. ...got the exact right answer, I, I claimed victory for him. And you said, no, 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 hang on, hang on. You know, we need to give the other guy a, a crack. So it was a bit divisive. It was. But, you know, um, I'll claim the victory on behalf of Ray. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, Jared Daffy will join us to talk all the odds from Tab. Phil Moss will... I know he will be absolutely excited. Magic Mossy. You know, after the Socceroos. Kid in a candy shop. Wouldn't he be? Well, we've got Graham Arnold on the show. We Great do. guest Great later. And Mossy's going to join us for that as well. So happy for Graham Arnold. Talk about people written off. He was written off by so many sections of the media, by Australian football fans, and for the Socceroos to qualify for a fifth consecutive World Cup... I credit that man so much for, for, for us getting there and, and what really has been an amazing effort. Extraordinary performance too, the hard way. Ryan, they did it the hard way, didn't mm. they? 
and they just kept somehow they kept that self belief when everyone else doubted they had any belief at all. And Arnie kept them together. He kept their spirits up. There's a lot of travelling, a lot of disappointment along the the way to the World Cup, but he got them there. An unbelievable performance, and got them there with the most incredible coaching change I think I've ever seen in sport to bring on Andrew Redmayne as your keeper, the replace Wiggle. Matt Ryan, who I believe was the captain. The captain, yep. Unbelievable foresight. And, gee, that set Arnie up for either being an absolute hero or a bloke who would have copped it all the way home. And for Arnie's sake, he got the job done and good luck to him. Yes, Graham Arnold, our special guest in the final hour. A big show this morning. It's the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Stay with us. Hunter's Postmortem with Dave Stanley. Alligator blood for Gay Waterhouse. What a marvel, 150 group ones. Chris Roots. When you put that in that context, 150 group ones, only a father and Bart Cummins are ahead of her. Glenn Munsey. She was quite humble in trying to heap some more praise than what Adrian had actually gained because he's basically been single-handedly got this horse back to where he was. Hunter's Postmortem. Winter edition. Monday, 9am, Racing HQ. Very funny, guys. <laughs> oh, come on, mate. Let me in the car. Get in. <laughs> While Harry's locked out, Tab's locking in their best prices possible on a tote win bet. Activate the lock on the Tab app, and if the fixed odds starting price is better when your horse wins, you'll get the difference in cash. And if your horse doesn't win or the tote price is higher, you can use the lock yep, again. Yep, real fun. Tab, long may we play. Excludes WA residents. Available once per day on eligible online bets. Max odds difference payout $100. TNC's a website. Gamble responsibly. Call Gamblers at 1-800-858-858. Mum, which came first, the fridge or free delivery? Some might say the fridge came first, since you can't have free delivery without the fridge to deliver. Ah. Others might say free delivery was for fridges waiting to be delivered. Now I'm confused. I'm not. It's not hard, Lionel. Buy a selected Electrolux or Westinghouse fridge right now at Bingley and get free delivery. Now I get it. No, the customer gets it. Free delivery on selected Electrolux and Westinghouse fridges at Bingley. Australia family owned for 65 years. Conditions apply. Get into Totally Workwear Rydalmere for all your winter workwear gear. We stock the best brands like King G, Hard Yucca, FXD and Steel Blue with a huge range of pants, jumpers, jackets and boots. Check out the new Fuse Workwear by King G. You won't be disappointed. Does your workwear branding need a freshen up? Get in store and talk to Darren and the team. Open till 7pm every weekday. Totally Workwear Rydalmere, 279 Victoria Road. Your one-stop winter workwear shop. shot on the front nine. Yeah, got to make sure you carry it far enough. And he did. And he did. I guess he did. Oh, man. Scotty Scheffler. Another whole out eagle. He did it yesterday at the 14th. On Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab, this is the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Yes, Scotty Scheffler, the Masters champion, has gone to the top of the leaderboard at the US Open at Brookline. He's currently six under... Uh, through nine holes, three under today. He's in fine form. He's a two-shot leader at the moment over Aaron Wise. The best of the Aussies at the moment. We've had a pretty average tournament so far. Minwoo Lee, two over. Mark Leishman, four over. Adam Scott, four over. And uh, Todd Sinnott, six over. The uh, the best uh, of the Aussies there. Um, Cameron Smith missing the cut as well. So... A pretty disappointing US Open, but Scotty Scheffler continuing his Masters form. Yeah, certainly is. He's looking very solid. I'm just watching on the screen right now as we're talking, Ryan. But yeah, disappointing for Cameron Smith. 
the proud Queenslander missed the cut, so his form has been up and down a little bit since winning the championship. I think it was a couple of weeks ago, or the Players' Championship. So, yeah, no Aussies in the hunt for the US Open, so disappointing. Um, updating some scores from overnight, Port Adelaide defeat the Sydney Swans 82-59. to Geelong over West Coast Eagles 81-63. to Western Bulldogs over GWS 125-105. to And the Crusaders took out the Super Rugby title after beating the Blues 21-17. to um, Top topic this morning. Interesting. Was, what have we got? Well, we're talking about Graham Arnold, and this bloke was written off. Correct. And so I'm thinking of the Lazarus effect. People that have been written off... And then they rise to an amazing comeback. Yeah, great idea. Gee, Ryan, you know what the first one that comes to my mind? It's, a, it's an old one. I'm going to go right back to 1969. Oh, wow. The year after the summer of love, my friend. Okay. <laughs> Hippies, Rock On and Woodstock. Balmain, written off in the 1969 grand final against the all-conquering South Sydney side, coached by the great Clive Churchill. Balmain in the old days were 11 to 2 outsiders and somehow they pulled off the greatest grand final upset in rugby league history. They beat South 11 points to 2. Uh, a winger called Sid Williams from memory scored in the old Paddington Hill corner of the SCG to win the game. So I'll go the Tigers 69. Written off totally. Dismissed. Laughed at. And got the cash. Oh, you'll be warming the cockles of the hearts of uh, many uh, Balmain fans this morning in, in what has been tougher times. You know, the one that I think about when I think of great, you know, sporting comebacks, people that have been written off, I think of Kieran Perkins in the 1996 Atlanta Games in that 1500 metres where he drew in lane eight, just scraping through to qualify for the final. And Daniel Kowalski was actually the favourite to, to take out, the, the fellow Aussie, the, that particular medal. And uh, it was just an amazing performance by Kieran Perkins. So that's my Lazarus effect. Kieran Perkins, Kieran Perkins from won, the dead. One easily, two from memory, didn't he? Oh, just blitzed it. Streeted them. It was just an amazing an performance athlete. at the Olympics. Well, it's um, obviously Ryan Phelan filling in for Ray Thomas this morning, who has been wearing the top hat and tails for the last five days of the carnival in Royal Ascot. But it's our pleasure to have Ray on the show this morning to talk all things Ascot and also racing from uh, back here at home. Good morning, Ray. Yeah, good morning, Ryan, and good morning, Dino. Raymond, how are you, champ? Going well, boys. What's happening over there? Well, we've had a lovely week. Although it did start raining just at the end of the final day um, towards the last race, but it got up to about 32 degrees, and English weren't happy, guys, I can tell you. Yeah, Ray, we'll, um, we'll talk about uh, Royal Ascot um, after we, we get through the replays from yesterday. So obviously an amazing week for the Aussies. We want to delve into you uh, with a, a little bit later. But let's talk about Rose Hill yesterday. Uh, firstly, before we get into the replays, Ray, gee, it was a red-hot rail. And, and, you know, if you weren't on the rail there yesterday, you were in serious trouble, weren't you? Yeah, agree, which is the reason why we're highlighting one of our horses late in the replays, Wicklow, because he was the one who did defy the, the, the track bias here yesterday. But um, I still think in the opening race, boys, the winner, Kibu, and the runner-up, Aussie Panko, are definitely two horses to follow. 
Bayless still has a good grip on Kabua. Two lengths clear from Zetarita Rossopenko trying to get into the race on the outside. It's Kabua under plenty of pressure at the 200 metres, maintaining a good two length lead here on Osipenko, who's trying hard. Kabua still in front from Osipenko. Kabua really seeing out the 1400 metres and led all the way. Kabua beat Osipenko and Zetarita third. Alessandro. Uh, Ryan, I know we're talking um, midwinter form, so you've got to be careful about that. But he's an impressive horse, Kaboo, and he could end up in a race like the Golden Rose. Yeah, it was, um, as you mentioned, too, definitely to follow uh, out of that race. And I guess there was some query over Kaboo at the distance, but um, certainly did that with aplomb there yesterday. Race number five, Ray, was over the 2,000 metres. And by this stage, some of these jockeys were maybe starting to overdo it a little bit, trying to find the fence. And and also in front, Cognac was the hot speed in this particular race. The favourite was Arapahoe, courtesy of that nice inside draw. But it was Borna King up the inside with a good Hugh Bowman ride taking it out. And it's Cognac, a long leader turning for home. Now Arapahoe really wound up by Dylan Gibbons giving chase. Colour Sergeant into the clear. Then Tinny Winnie and Borna King are scraping paint. Cognac's coming back to them. Borna King takes the run on the inside. Colour Sergeant the outside. They beat off Arapahoe. It's Borna King and Colour Sergeant. They're fighting it out now. Borna King the inside of Colour Sergeant. It's Borna King going home strongly and Borna King right up the fence beats Colour Sergeant and Cognac was able to hang on for third. Yeah, Hugh Bowman had his best, wasn't he, boys? And Borna King is by Frankel. Um, so it was at that he won yesterday, Borna King, because 10 years ago, in 2012, Queen Anne States, Frankel won at Royal Ascot by 11 lengths in a performance that is still regarded as the greatest ever in terms of ratings by a racehorse. He rated 147 winning the Queen Anne that day. So quite extraordinary. Um, Ryan Dino, Chris Waller had a day out at Rose Hill yesterday, had five winners, including the feature in the Kel Cup with Skyman. Skyman is looking for an inside run. King's not giving up the fence on Surf Dancer. Pike has to come off heels on Skyman. Does so now. Surf Dancer in front. Skyman looms from the front man. Dr. Drill's running on the outside. Inside the 200. And Skyman gets a length, a length and a half up now on Dr. Drill. They beat off Surf Dancer. But he had the perfect run, Skyman. Where all the winners have been to down the fence. And he won it easily. Dr. Drill's second. I think Welsh legend got up to run the third. Yeah, Willie Pike doing his thing there, Ryan and Dino, and did a great job. And, and uh, Darren Fundell mentioned all the winners were coming up the fence, except in the next race. Put this horse down near Black Book. He's a very promising type. His name, Wicklow. Pulling out Eagle Mott with a good run. Irish legend strung up. Down to the 300 metres. Mark Snell being tested by Easy Fast. The bark between them. Followed by Eagle Mott. And Irish legend picking up towards the inside. Easy Far at the 150 just in front. Is Wicklow coming down the outside. Irish legend the inside. But a Wicklow moved up to Easy Far. And Wicklow's come from last. Wicklow knocked off Easy Far. And Irish legend. Followed by Eagle Mott. Uh, only his second run back from a long spell, Ryan. And uh, look, he'll get out over further. He was winning at 1,800 metres this time last year. And uh, gee, I thought he was impressive yesterday to find the track bias. Yeah, he certainly was. Um, he had to do it too. I guess that was the mm-hmm. concern. It was a little bit not soft in the market, but um, a lot of punters were probably dropping off him just with the way the pattern was playing out yeah. there yesterday. Uh, Ray, it's the tail end of the Winter Carnival up in Brisbane and the Ipswich Cup was an upset result for an informed trainer in Chris Munts. 
and Smart Meteor right towards the outside. Spencer and also Birdie back the inside. Uh, sneaking runs as well as Bartholomew. Diaz straight dancer down the outside. Alwyn Trag running home as well, but Birdie back in front by a length and a half. Running home as Alwyn Trag and Smart Meteor down the outside. Alwyn Trag and Smart Meteor. Smart Meteor's got up to win the cut from Alwyn Trag. Third straight dancer, Fado Ford Chicana. Yeah, as you said, Ryan continues a great run of success for the Chris Munt stable. And he also won the Gay Waterhouse Classic to close the Ipswich Cup meeting with Centre by. So he's had a, a fantastic trot, Chris, and really good to see one of the, the genuine, decent, nice guys in racing Chris Munt. He sure is. Um, Ray, that's a look at our racing yesterday from our shores in Rose Hill and also Ipswich. We'll take a break and we'll get your full wrap of Royal Ascot on the other side of this. Darren Flindell almost flew in another direction. I was really developing an interest for the aviation business and I actually got all the paperwork and then I started to really look at it and I thought, oh, you've got to be a lot smarter than me uh, to go through this. I'd love the idea of sitting up in the chair and, and flying a plane, but to do all the hard work to get your licence was all too much. Monday's Experts. 11am Monday on Racing HQ. Foreign-owned bookies like Sportsbet and Ladbrokes are taxed less than other Australian gambling products. Support our call for fair play. Visit fairplaycoalition.com.au for more details. Authorised by Aussie Fair Play Coalition Proprietary Limited, Melbourne. The Nissan Navara is built tough for the week and the weekend. It's got an impressive 3.5-tonne brake towing capacity and advanced off-road capability. Visit your Nissan dealer today. Apply. With Play Central on the Tab app, you can watch the greatest racing from Australia and around the world wherever you want. Like while working on your tan at the beach. Flicking between Sky Racing 1, 2 and Thoroughbred Central while waiting for your car to be washed. And you can watch and bet while you're getting a short back and sides. Play Central, only on the Tab app. Tab, long may we play. Available online for tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help 1800 858 858. Here's the latest news on Bingley and of financial year sale. It's the last days. It's almost over. The clock's winding down. Solana will be working 24-7 the next few days. I will? Yep, until every last deal is done. Every last TV, fridge, dryer, coffee machine, oven, computer, dishwasher and Bluetooth speaker that's marked down. Yep. The Bingley end of financial year sale. It ain't over till mum says it's over. It isn't over. Last days at Bingley. Australian family owned for 65 years. As they head down to the closing stages, a furlong to go in the King Stand, and as they do so, Nature Strike leading to Acklam Express in second place. Twilight Course coming home in third position, but it is the great Australian sprinter, Nature Strike, and James McDonald, and look how far they've won by. Second will go to Twilight Course to Acklam Express. Munista behind those, and then on Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab, this is the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. What a moment it was for Australian racing. Nature Strip winning the King Stand on Tuesday evening. A fantastic result for jockey James McDonald, who finished the carnival with three winners. And Chris Waller, an amazing uh, year for him, really, when you consider uh, on the back of the, the efforts of Winks winning a Melbourne Cup and now winning internationally in the King Stand Stakes. Ray Thomas with us. Ray, um, just I guess he keeps just rewriting the record books, doesn't he, Chris Waller? And this horse, Nature Strip, he was at his dominant best. 
Yeah, he does, and what he is, his first season, Chris Waller and James McDonald have had, they won the Everest with Nature Strip back in spring, they won the Melbourne Cup with Bill Elegant, they've both trained or ridden 11 Group 1 winners, and they've, they've set prize money records for trainers and for jockeys, they've done it all, and now they've ticked that Group 1 international box, so to speak, with Nature Strip, and he was absolutely outstanding in the King Stand Stakes, and um, I, you know, it was hard not to be in awe of what Nature Strip did. Uh, certainly, the English journalists in the press room were were staggered that a horse could literally put paid to their best sprinters so quickly, so easily, and and so ruthlessly. Had that race won a long way out, didn't he, boys? It was mm. great to watch. Yeah, um, just a, a question here on the text line, Ray. Um, this is from Leo in, in Burwood. Do we know what Nature Strip's win rated? I don't yet, I must admit. I should try and check that out. So um, it's a really good point because would it have been as high as some of these Australian wins? I'm not sure because um, there's probably a question mark about whether, particularly whether some of those sprinters could measure up for the likes of Eduardo. I know the ownership group of Nature Strip said after the race that they were glad Eduardo wasn't there because he's a horse who really does make life tough and eight strip at a thousand metres. They might have won one two if they ran in that race last Tuesday, but uh, he was just at his absolute best nature strip. He was dominant. And I thought the um, comment from Chris Wall leading up to the race was really interesting. It sort of stuck in my, my mind, uh, Ryan and Dino, and he said that we wanted to bring Nature Strip over in 2020 and also in 2021, but the global pandemic prevented that from happening. Now, Nature Strip's a rising eight-year-old, and I was sort of thinking maybe has that window closed, but Chris said that he feels more confident and more comfortable going into that race last Tuesday than he would have been the previous two years, and by that he meant that the Nature Strip of 2022 was a complete racehorse, the complete sprinter, and a horse that was able to sit off the early tempo about um, two years ago, he would have been fiercely trying to go up with the leaders and race with them. But now he's learned to settle just off that speed. He doesn't have to lead and win and just builds into that rhythm. And gee, he was powerful and strong weight, wasn't he? Mm. Ray, the Platinum Jubilee Stakes over there where you are on Saturday. Home Affairs faded out of contention, uh, finishing, I think it was 17th. Yeah, it was disappointing, but uh, Tom Magnarangus was leaving the course and it's subsequently been discovered he's pulled up sore behind. So there, there had to be a reason, didn't there, because he just ran too poorly to be true. He jumped out brilliantly. He was leading for the first half of the race, but he was just gone too far from home. And at least there's a reason, if I could say that, for his failure. Very disappointing for the connections of home affairs. But I dare say, given he will be standing at Stud in the Hunter Valley this spring that each run his last race now. However, for those viewers who may not, or listeners who may not have a chance to watch the replay of the Platinum Jubilee, watch the run of Artorius. It was absolutely outstanding. He should have won the race. He's ended up dead-heating for third with Campanelle. The Dolphin has gone 1-2 with Naval Crown and Creative Force for Charlie Appleby. But Artorius, a clear last is probably about 400 metres out and probably 350 metres out. Then he started to weave through the field under Jamie Spencer and he was about to emerge from the ruck and claim the lead when he just got balked and checked about 100, 150 metres out. That cost him the race. But I guess, Ryan and Dino, when you've got a horse who's a backmarker like that and you've got 25 horses, you've got to weave your path through, 
you're going to need everything to go right for you, and it didn't today, unfortunately, for our tourists. But a massive run to get eight, beaten only a half length. Ray, what about takeaways from the carnival as a whole with a view to perhaps some of these foreign raiders coming to our shores, perhaps for the spring carnival yep. or or maybe even the Everest? Yeah, exactly. Well, just firstly on the Australians, obviously Nature Strip goes into quarantine tomorrow, Sunday, um, England time. He'll be back in two weeks to prepare for the Everest. Our tourists now will go to the July Cup and at Newmarket in a couple of weeks. Then he's coming back to Sydney for potentially Everest and but most definitely the Golden Eagle. That's the main target for him. Now, the Golden Eagle, the English journalists were caught by surprise today because Godolphin had a, a, a very nice win with Noble Truth and Charlie Appleby said after the race, I'm going to set this horse for the Golden Eagle in Sydney. And they were scratching their heads thinking, what, why the Golden Eagle? And he says, worth $10 million. Mm-hmm. Now, he's also got a French 2000 Guineas winner in modern games who he told me last week could potentially come for the Golden Eagle as well. As for the Everest, we saw uh, Godolphin's two horses buy up the finish of the Platinum Jubilee there today. Um, Naval Crown and Creative Force, they're a chance, one or both, to come down for the Everest. And don't forget, the Godolphin do have a slot. I guess, Ryan, the best local horse for Godolphin probably is Paul Lely, but maybe another slot holder might reach out because they've been by Dabawi, both those sprinters of Godolphin, who ran the one to the Platinum Jubilee. They're tough, they're resilient, and they're fast. So they could definitely be Everest contenders. Um, a horse like Broom, who won the Hardwick Stakes, could come down for the Cups this spring in Melbourne, although Aidan O'Brien said more than likely his main aim will be the Japan Cup. But the one thing I did take out of Royal Ascot this week, boys, is that that dual hemisphere competition is back alive and well. The Australians are back at Royal Ascot. They were embraced and welcomed, and indeed it's certainly stoke the competitive buyers in Chris Wall and Sam Feeden to come back and do well again. But conversely, the English trainers are eyeing our massive prize money in Sydney and Melbourne in spring with a fair bit of envy and they're planning to attack the Sydney and Melbourne Spring Carnival in numbers this year. So uh, international competition alive and well in horse racing, boys. Ray, one of the more intriguing elements for, from the week for me was... Peter Volandis, boss of Racing New South Wales, um, getting an audience with Her Majesty the Queen. Yeah, and how did that come about? He won't tell me, and he was also part of the royal procession. But I I think some things you've got to keep confidential. I I think primarily, definitely because of his role at Racing New South Wales as chief executive, not so much because of his chairmanship of the AOL, Dino, but. Um, uh, look, he's a mover and shaker, isn't we know that Peter and his um, reputations worldwide. And and when you are part of that royal procession, um, the carriages up the straight at Royal Ascot. Prior to um, uh, going into the carriages, you have lunch with the Queen at Windsor Castle, which backs on to Royal Ascot. So a tremendous honour for Peter and his wife Philippa. Very few Australians have have been selected to do that royal procession. I know Chris Waller did it a couple of years ago and John Massara did about seven or eight years ago, but it's a very rare honour um, for Peter. And, um, uh, yeah, look, another reason, another sort of reason to make Australia proud, we had a great, a great Royal Ascot week. Obviously, nature strip winning, our horses running well. 
um, some of our stadiums firing many winners. Um, Peter Bohanny has been part of the Royal Procession. Um, certainly the English knew the Australians were back in town this week. Mm. Ray, I'm just fascinated about Royal Ascot itself. What's it like inside? Give us a, a quick tour. The media boxes, the corporate boxes. Is there a lot of sort of pomp and yeah. ceremony around the place? I mean, yeah, I, I, I can't even get my head around what it would be like inside the actual track. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. The, the grandstand is huge, boys. It, you know, just can't even put it into words. If you think of the Randwick grandstand times are by about four. It is just huge. And um, today there was just over 70,000 people on track. And um, it, it's it's just an extraordinary spectacle. Obviously, it's about tradition, the pomp and pageantry, the royals. Um, the, the biggest cheer all week, I think, was when Kate and William came down on Friday would have been in the Royal Carriage. Um, and that, that's a, um, something to behold as well. It's quite a tradition. And when the Royal Carriages come down and they swing into the under the tunnel there at the grandstand, the English break out into song and three cheers. It's quite remarkable. They do it each and every day. And then one of the other traditions of Royal Ascot, which I find very English, is after the last, they all a lot of the crowd go to this area um, at the back of the grandstand and they all start singing songs. The guy there singing um, a bit of a Hey Jude, Paul McCartney's birthday day, wasn't it, Dean? He's 80. Yeah, and they got the crowd singing and they do that each and every day. So all these traditions date back many, many decades and the English certainly do like their pomp and pageantry and it's just a very, very special race day and I know it's a long way to go to go to the races but if, if, it, if you haven't done it and you love your horse racing, it should be a bucket list item because it's a memorable experience. Did you offer Kate and William any of your stroking off? <laughs> I, mean, I want to be invited back one day. Okay. I the just thought you might have taken some across in a doggy bag or something. <laughs> Great stuff, uh, yeah, Ray. It's, it, it really has been a, an amazing week for Australia to, to behold what we've been able to achieve over there with um, mm. Chris Waller. James McDonald, as I mentioned, three winners for him as well, and Nature Strip, and even Artoria's third today. It really has been a, a wonderful week, and thank you to bringing it, uh, bringing it all to us, Ray, and, and you'll be back next week. Yep, and thanks so much, Ryan, for holding the fort for Dino and, um, and myself, and, and it, it has been a great week. And just following on James McDonald, you mentioned his three winners. He created a huge impression over here, and um, some of our listeners may have heard of Matt Chapman, the controversial English TV racing presenter, but he declared James McDonald the best jockey in the world after one of his winners at Royal Ascot this week. That's saying a lot, given that Ryan Moore was leading jockey with six winners, but Jay Mack, he's certainly, if he's not the best jockey in the world, he's definitely top three, boys. Yeah, we're, we might be biased, but uh, he is just mm-hmm. such a wonderful pilot, isn't he? Ray, um, fly safely home, and uh, we'll hear from you next week on the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Thanks so much, Ryan and Dino. Good on you, buddy. Ray Thomas joining us this morning, and we've got your text coming in. We want your calls on the open line number as well, 135353, the SMS 0419767. 272. We're talking about uh, great sporting comebacks of people that have been written off. Um, this is a great one from Peter in Canberra, of course. The 2019 US Masters by Tiger Woods. It was an amazing comeback after personal problems, injury problems, for him to wear another green jacket. That really was something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was extraordinary, wasn't it, to think that he could come back and do that. Yet again, showing that resilience he's become famous for. Another one here, uh, Ryan, from Steve says Steve Wall was written off before his last ball 100 
against England at the SCG in 2003. I was there that day in the members. Yep. It's hard to believe, 2003, nearly 20 years ago. But it was one of the more famous innings of Steve Waugh's career because he was absolutely being castigated in the media and his days were over, it was gone, and, and typical Steve Waugh. I can remember. Charged at the bat. I remember him coming out of the, the dressing rooms. He didn't walk out. He ran out onto the field. It was almost like, yep. bring it on. I'm ready for this. And I can remember him mopping his brow with that famous uh, red or pink hanky of yes, his. Yes, correct. That, <laughs> that, took it everywhere. Uh, yeah, it was it was terrific. Yeah, so taking your calls this morning, 13.53.53. Uh, let's go to Sam. Good morning, Sam. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Very well. Good on you. Um, I've got Michelle Payne um, written off um, for the Melbourne Cup, yep. particularly. Um, when she won the uh, Melbourne Cup and wasn't going to give a chance to ride in that race either. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a absolutely a, a spot on there, Sam. She was not getting a lot of rides at the time and, you know, there was calls to take her off uh, Prince of Penzance, that particular Melbourne Cup, and she was able to get it done and hence history was created. Movies were made. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. No, thanks no. for your call, Sam. That That's... Um, a good one, Michelle Payne, uh, for sure and, and certain. Of course, the reason this is the talk topic this morning is because later in the show, we've got Graham Arnold, a man who has absolutely been castigated by certain sections of the media and football fans. And lo and behold, he was able to get the Socceroos to qualify for a fifth consecutive World Cup in Qatar later this year. And it's going to be terrific to talk to Graham Arnold this morning. Looking forward to that. All right, well, let's uh, bring you up to date with the scratchings and uh, also uh, the news. Tanya Thomas is with us this morning. Hi, Tanya. Morning, boys. Morning, everyone. Yes, racing in New South Wales today is at Port Macquarie and Coonamble, and we'll have a look at the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. Starting with Port Macquarie, the weather is fine. The track is a soft six. The rail is true, and there are 23 scratchings. Race one, takeout number three, last descend. Six victory beans and the emergency 16, three, six, 16. Race Race two, number four, Denvari, 14, Island Tide, emergencies 15 and 17, four, 14, 15 and 17. From race three, take out the emergencies 15 and 16, 15 and 16. Race four, number one, Mr. Razzle Dazzle, number one. From the fifth, number six, off her rocker, number six. From race six, number 12, ready to chase, number 12. Race seven, number two, Iger. Emergencies 15, 17 and 18. Two, 15, 17 and 18. And race eight, number three, Dark Herring. Four, Island Lass. Five, Rhineland. Six, Kunderman. 14, Lady Super Spy in the emergencies 16 and 18. Three, four, five, six, 14, 16 and 18 from race eight at Port Macquarie. Kernamble, the weather is fine. The track is a good four. The rail is true and there are 17 scratchings. From race one, take out one, guns out, number one. Race two, number four, Oakfield Hibiscus, five for night and 13, Lullers Attack, four, five and 13. Race three, take out emergencies, 15 through to 17, 15, 16 and 17. From the fourth, number three, Rustley Crown, number three, race four. Five, number 12, Miss Ash Star, number 12. From the sixth, number eight, Gold Luna and nine, Ben Schoof, eight and nine. Out of race seven, number seven, Maslow, emergencies 13 and 15, seven, 13 and 15. And race eight, take out eight, Tango Steps, 12, Super L and the emergency 14, eight, 12 and 14 from race eight at Coonamble. 
And up to the Sunshine Coast, where the weather is fine, the track is a good four. The rail out nine metres the entire course and 23 scratchings. From race one, take numbers four, eight and ten. Four, eight, ten. Race two, five and nine. Five and nine. From the third, take out 11, number 11. From the fourth, numbers six and eight. Six and eight. Race five, take out five and 12. Five and 12. Race six, numbers one, four. 10, 12 and 17, 1, 4, 10, 12 and 17. Races 7 and 8 are clear. And out of the last race, 9, numbers 2, 5, 10, 12, 15, 16, 17 and 19. 2, 5, 10, 12 and the emergencies 15, 16, 17 and 19 boys from race 9 at the Sunshine Coast. Thank you very much, Tanya. We're taking your calls this morning, 135353 in the SMS 0419767272. The talk topic this morning is the Lazarus effect. People written off and then have great sporting comebacks. What about this one? Alfie Langer, State of Origin. That's from Ian. What was that, 2001? 2001. I covered that game. He came back from Warrington. Bennett snuck him in at midnight. As a clandestine. As a journo, could you believe what was unfolding? It was one of the great sneak attacks of all time, wasn't it? Well, it was a sneak attack, Ryan, but it paid off. It was unbelievable. It went into, obviously, origin folklore, but it was a big gamble because Alf had finished his career in the NRL. He'd gone across to England. He'd got used to playing in England, and the speed is a lot slower. So to bring him back from Super League to State of Origin was one of the great all-time gambles, and it paid off. So yeah. full credit. They smashed them in game three, didn't they? did. They? Yeah. It was 40 points to 14 from That's memory. That's right, yep. Milkman Yast, great uh, comebacks too when written off. The 1981 Ashes Test, everyone wrote off England, except Lillian Marsh. She snapped up the 150 to 1 odds, <laughs> and England saluted. And Steve texts in two here. Uh, Ryan, written off the Newcastle Knights in their two grand finals. 97 versus Manly, 2001 against Parramatta. Won both the mastermind Joey Johns, even though I thought Billy Peden should have got the Clive Churchill in 2001. Yeah, here's another one from Michael. Uh, Penrith, 2003 grand final, winners up to four rounds, three losses. They blew out to 500 to one and went on a winning streak, losing another two games on their way to uh, being outsiders to beat the Roosters 18 to six up there with one of the Biggest turnarounds in footy uh, to finish in the last two years prior and missing semis the year before. Yep, great grand final, wasn't it? The 2003 Penrith grand final over the Roosters, one of the best. So keep them coming in this morning. The SMS 0419767272. The open line as well, 135353. Coming up in the next half hour, Zorba Peter Peters will join us talking more rugby league. We've got the league super quiz as well. Uh, Jared Daffy will join us from the tab and Phil Moss will talk all things football ahead of the final hour where we'll be talking to Socceroos coach Graham Arnold. Really looking forward to that. It's the big sports breakfast weekend with Dean Bulldog, Richie and Ryan Phelan with you this morning. Hello, I'm Sarah Warmby. Julian Assange's wife, Stella Morris, has joined the chorus of voices urging the federal government to do more to free the WikiLeaks founder. The UK Home Secretary has ruled he can be extradited to the US to face spying charges. Stella Morris says she hopes Anthony Albanese can end his prosecution. I'm hopeful, certainly, uh, that the the new Prime Minister has 
given completely different uh, signals to the previous government and has, I think, quite a sophisticated understanding about the political nature of uh, this case. Former New South Wales Deputy Premier John Barillaro is the state's new Trade and Investment Commissioner to the US. The appointment was announced after a global talent search, but state opposition leader Chris Minns disagrees with the choice. I mean, we're genuinely expected to believe that a global search took place. I don't think it passes the smell test. And at the end of the day, this is a $400,000 a year job for a friend of Mr Perrottet's. I'm disappointed in the Premier for this decision. A fire at an electrical substation south of Sydney could continue burning for the next three days. A transformer caught alight at the facility at Yalla near Albion Park, the flames being fuelled by 100,000 litres of oil. Fire and Rescue Superintendent Adam Jubery says they have a plan to tackle the massive blaze. The fire is contained. The oil from the fire is also contained in specifically constructed bundled areas. The system is also in place to contain the added firefighting water and oil into a second retention pit, which will be pumped out as it fills. A new COVID vaccine designed and produced in Australia goes into human trials this week. The DNA-based immunisation doesn't need a needle and is administered as a spray. It's being trialled at the Royal Adelaide Hospital. Passengers hoping to touch down in Perth have been left stranded in the state's Pilbara region after Virgin Airlines cancelled their flights. Virgin found accommodation for passengers, but airlines warn more disruptions are to come as they struggle with staff shortages. Also in news, Victoria Police and the family of a five-year-old boy injured in a hit-and-run accident have urged the driver to come forward. Angus was crossing a street in Geelong with his eight-year-old brother on Friday afternoon when he was hit. Police say he sustained no life-threatening injuries. An investigation is underway after a man dumped two dead crocodiles outside a Queensland government building. And Australia's biggest handball competition will culminate in the regional finals held in ten locations across the country. The competition organised by Camp Australia is about encouraging children to get active. Camp Australia's Chief Executive Warren Jacobson says participants will enjoy a great day out. Over 20,000 children have competed in the competitions and the best 350 will be competing today at 10 locations around the country. This is Air News. Chas Mostert was excluded from the Supercars Darwin Triple Crown opener yesterday after a post-race investigation. Terry Daniel reports. Mostert crossed the line fourth behind Anton Di Pasquale, Will Davison and Shane Van Gisbergen. It was revealed that the Mostert entry was under investigation over a pre-race technical breach. When the car was on the grid, a battery-operated air blower was inserted into the front bumper. The rules state that the use of any device to artificially vary the temperature of any part of the car when it's on the grid is prohibited and Mostert was disqualified. Di Pasquale was very happy with his run and is looking for a repeat today. It's good to get a 1-2 in qual and then convert that into a 1-2 in the race. So, yeah, super happy. Um, everyone on the team stoked. So uh, we'll try and keep up the pointy. There are two 38-lap races today, the first at 11.55am Darwin time. Terry Daniel, Air Sport. The Gold Coast Titans have gone down to the Cronulla Sharks 18-10 in the NRL. A promising first half was crucial for the Titans as the game 
remained tied at 10 all heading into the second half, but the Sharks proved too strong to stop. In the other games, the Eels defeated the Roosters 26-16. The Panthers thrashed the Warriors 40-6. And it's another loss for West Coast in the AFL. The Cats moving into the top four after an 81-63 victory. There were also wins to the Power and the Bulldogs. Australian Independent Radio News. On Tamora, 87.6 FM. Lithgow, 89.7 FM. Grafton, 101.5 FM. And Newcastle, 13.41 AM. This is Sky Sports Radio, your racing and sports leader. G'day, it's Sean Garlic here from Garlow's Pies. The best thing about our pies is the deliciously flaky pastry on top, a bottom which is rolled extra thin, and a filling which is bursting with flavour. Plenty of flavours to choose from, like lean beef, curry beef, sausage rolls. We even have junior pies that you can give to the whole family. Find us in the Coles and Woolworths chilled meals section. And if you can't find us, ask for us by name. Garlow's Pies, we're thin on pastry, we're big on meat. Get into Totally Workwear Rydalmere for all your winter workwear gear. We stock the best brands like King G, Hard Yakka, FXD and Steel Blue with a huge range of pants, jumpers, jackets and boots. Check out the new Fuse Workwear by King G. You won't be disappointed. Does your workwear branding need a freshen up? Get in store and talk to Darren and the team. Open till 7pm every weekday. Totally Workwear Rydalmere, 279 Victoria Road. Your one-stop winter workwear shop. On Sky Sports Radio, the traffic report. Dry July starts soon. Go dry this July and raise funds to improve the comfort and well-being of people affected by cancer. Sign up today at dryjuly.com. In Richmond, a car has crashed on Lennox Street at Burke Street with the road closed in both directions. Motorists are being diverted into Burke Street. Waterloo, Sydney Metro City and Southwest Project Roadworks on Botany Road between Chapel Lane and Wellington Street, closing two southbound lanes. And in London, Roadworks closing Adams Road both ways from the Northern Road to Anton Road. Refresh your underwear drawers. The bomb's got to have 40 percent off everything sale is on now shop the range in store or online visit bonds.com.au for terms and exclusions i'm thomas reeve number one in racing on sky sports radio on the big sports breakfast interstate weather in sydney showers about and tops of 19 degrees brisbane partly cloudy and 23 Melbourne, 16 degrees and partly cloudy. They're tipping snow in Canberra with lows of zero degrees and tops of 15 degrees. And Adelaide, showers about and 16. Nifty from Jerome Luai, skipping about and showing. What about that from Jerome Luai? What about the grandstand jump from Mantoe? It's over. The Golden State Warriors return to a familiar place. They're on top of the NBA world. The fourth title in eight years. Oh, shot. He keeps it going. This is incredible. Oh. Dylan Brown, Sean Lai, don't tell me. Out it comes. William Blake, Marcusino. Absolutely incredible. And Red makes the save. It's a save that means the World Cup for Australia. No one gave them much of a chance. But never, ever right off the soccer room. On Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab, the big sports breakfast weekend. Yes, don't write off the Socceroos and don't write off Graham Arnold, who will be our special guest in the final hour of the big sports breakfast weekend. Great to have your company. Ryan Phelan stepping in 
for Ray Thomas this weekend. Dean Bulldog Richie with me. And just updating some uh, scores from overnight in the Rugby League. The Panthers defeated the Warriors 40 points to 6. The Parramatta Eels entertainers over the Roosters 26 to 16. And the Cronulla Sharks 18 points to 10 over the Titans. In the Super Rugby, the Crusaders took out the Super Rugby title, defeating the Blues 21 points to 7. And in the AFL, wins for Port Adelaide over the Swans, Geelong over the West Coast Eagles and Western Bulldogs over GWS. Bulldog, we're talking this morning just in um, celebrating Graham Arnold and the Socceroos, the Lazarus effect, great sporting comebacks after people have been written off and we've got plenty of people coming through on the SMS this morning, which is 0419767272 with some of their great sporting comebacks. Absolutely. Sporty Gavin from Newcastle. Ryan texts in... Talk topic, Bob Simpson coming back from retirement to test cricket to help out the inexperienced Aussies during the Kerry Packer era. I think Bob Simpson might have been about 41. Mm. And he, he took Australia to the Windies from memory and faced up to that fierce bowling attack. It was a bloody courageous stuff. He wouldn't catch me doing that at age 41. Uh, another one here uh, about the uh, West Tigers, 2005, comes from Poller. From Balgala, my Dragons were the best team all year, but Tim Sheen's Tigers played an outstanding brand of football in motion. Football to win from nowhere. Absolutely. And Peter says here, what about takeover target? Oh, Dug up out of the scrap heap. And the rest is history. And morning, lads. Written off teams. No name on this one. 2020 State of Origin. Bulldog and co. Riding off Queensland. <laughs> yes. I'm glad there's no name on that one. Another good one here. This one from Michael. Um, Leicester in the English Premier League. 5,001 outsiders to fight all to win with Jamie Vardy scoring goals for fun. Yeah, that was one of the great 5,000 to one. Yeah. That is extraordinary. It can be done. It can be done. Um, so some great texts coming in. Keep them coming this morning. The open line number as well. We'll get to your calls a little bit later. 13 53 But now it's time to talk rugby league with the great man Zorba. Peter Peters. Good morning, Zorb. Morning, Ryan. Morning, Bulldog. What about Parramatta last night? Isn't it funny? A short turnaround from what was a dismal performance against the Bulldogs on Monday. And they were the entertainers against the Roosters last night. Yeah, it was incredible. Humiliated 34-4 by the Bulldogs five days earlier. Uh, they come out last night. They were, well, the Eels were, pardon the pun, electrifying. 26-16 win over what, what was a pretty good Roosters side last night. I mean, the Roosters played well. They were just outclassed. The Blue and Gulls got back to what they do best. That was that ruthless power play in the middle and some clever offloading on the edges uh, and, and out wide. Five first-half tries. They were brilliant. And... Um, while the Roosters competed hard, they were blown away by Junior Paulo up front, Regal Campbell-Gillard. Sean Lane on that um, left edge was dynamic again last night, and um, it was a great win. Uh, Brad Arthur, you've got to give it to him. He can get that side up. There's been a lot of criticism of him during the week, um, but he bounced back the only way he knows how, and so did his side. What did you make, Zorba, of the, the crusher tackle, Regan Campbell-Gillard and Lindsay Collins, the lifting tackle there in that game? Because, of course, those two players uh, probably will be selected or likely to be selected for Origin 2. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I, I think when you slow it up, it looks a lot worse than it, than it really is. But the way they're charging these days, um, you would think that they'd both have a worry uh, today getting through... Uh, um, the microscope that they've got to get through. Zorba, South Sydney. 
32 nil down inside 30 minutes. What the hell went wrong? Well, they continue to be haunted, Bulldog, by, by Adam Reynolds' exit. Um, no one's owning up to it, and it just won't go away. Um, and it won't for a long, long time. I, uh, Jason Dimitrio, the coach, is uh, he's under pressure at Redfern following his axing after 28 minutes of um, the young rookie halfback Lachlan Nilias. Now, everyone's had a had a, um, an idea on whether it was right or whether it was wrong. Um, you know, they, they were well down. He dropped the ball off the kickoff. Um, and, you know, that was, a, that was a heavy defeat for South Sydney, something they're not used to. Um, I, I've, I've got to sort of agree with the coach. I think he had to get him out of there. Um, his, his confidence was shot. Uh, whether it's, it's going to be able to be returned, he said he'll put him back um, next week when they play. So um, let's wait and see how he goes. But they're going to hang their hat on Latrell Mitchell Cup. Latrell Mitchell coming back, but they're nowhere near the side that lost a tight grand final by just two points to the Panthers last year. Um, that decision to let Adam Reynolds go will go down in... They keep writing plenty of books at South. I don't know what they're going to write on this one. It's got to be the biggest blunder in the club's history of, um, of modern times, but who's going to get the blame? That's the big thing. Still no one owning up to that. Mm. So, but what happened... Radiator. What it's happened your to your mate, Bulldog? Don't blame him. Well, he's the boss. <laughs> well, there's three of them. Well, what do you mean there's three of them? Well, Mike Cannon-Brooks and James Packer. Mike Cannon-Brooks. Why do you James come in here and start bagging James Packer? No. Well, you, would, you wouldn't have the ticker. No. Why, why, why wouldn't I? We'll go on then. Well, I don't think he knows much about rugby league. There you go. <laughs> and as for the other bloke with a double name, please... <laughs> He'd buy and sell you a hundred times over. That's not the point. He doesn't know what I know about the game. Well, if you know about the game, tell us what happened with Manly. The late wobbles again. Well, Rob, I've got a concern here. After 15 weeks of the competition, the Cowboys expose what all the top clubs know. The Seagulls aren't fit for 80 minutes of NRL. What's more, the Cowboys coach Todd Payton he all but said so in a TV interview pre-game. We will back our fitness to get us home late, he said. It's the second time in a month Manly's been run over late after holding what should have been match-winning leads, a 22-20 to loss to Parramatta on the bell in round 11, still haunts Seagulls fans. Manly led the Cowboys 26-12 with seven minutes to go and then just died. And they were terrific for 73 minutes. They can't sugarcoat the problem any longer. The club lost its doctor and physio last year because of issues over the club's training and rehab program. In three seasons, Manly couldn't get Moses Suley fit. Look at him now, flying after just one off-season at the Dragons. There are fears at Manly that the star youngster, Josh Schuster, the kid with so much talent in his hands, is heading the same way. Unfit and not being used much by Coach Des Hazel. Didn't get a start um, on uh, Friday night until Kieran Foran went to the head bin. Uh, Manly were great for 73 minutes against the Cowboys, but they had no legs at the end. The new CEO, Tony Mestrov's all over the problem, but unfortunately doesn't start until August. Fears are Manly season will be well and, gone, well and truly gone by then. A refusal to take penalties in front costs them a loss against Parramatta and again on Friday against the Cowboys. I, 
I don't know why they won't take the two um, dumb rookie decisions by um, by Hasler and his co-coaches. It's just not good enough. Mm. Uh, Zorba, the New Zealand Warriors obviously a, a bad loss to the Panthers, forty points to six. Obviously, being relocated at Redcliffe through COVID has been a real challenge for them. But, gee, they're in all sorts, aren't they? Obviously, with their coaching dramas as well. It's going to take a long time for them to bounce back, you'd think. Oh, you're tr- it's, it's nothing Nothing more could be um, on target than, than what you've just said, 100%. The rabble that is now the New Zealand Warriors, and we, and, and, and we feel sorry for them, but that's what they are at the moment. They're not an NRL side. They'll need years to win back fans over in New Zealand. Um, they haven't been there for a couple of years. The NRL owes it to the game and to the Warriors organisation to give them every assistance on the rebuild. I reckon a three- to five-year uh, block on any NRL club signing a Kiwi junior would be a good start. Give them a chance to rebuild their players and keep their kids. Give them an origin game. Play a dream round to start the next two seasons over there. Do something. Watching the Warriors last night in the 40-6 to loss to Penrith showed how far behind the required standard they have slipped during the COVID period when they've been housed in Australia, playing away from home. Um, we all feel sorry for them, but they are just making up the numbers now. Other than Reese Walsh, there doesn't seem to be any excitement in their side. They return home to Mount Smart on Sunday, July the 3rd against the West Tigers. Hardly a cracking draw card to get the fans interested again over in Auckland, but at least it's a game they stand some chance of winning. But they're a big worry for the NRL right now and for all clubs. Uh, they've got to be supported. Um, they've supported the game. It's cost them plenty um, in terms of where they are now. And um, I can't imagine um, a side doing it tougher than them over the next couple of seasons. Azorb, are you looking forward to Origin going to Perth? Well, it's a bit strange, Bulldog. The Bulldog, the build-up um, won't be the same. Um, I know you guys are going to be writing the stories and, and, and we're going to be doing all the interviews and everything else, but it just seems so far away. Um, and it's on next Sunday. There hasn't been a, a lot of build-up like there was to Game 1. New South Wales, uh, what are they going to do with their side? Um, it's interesting. Um I don't know. I just can't get as hyped up as I was before game one when um, when I tipped Queensland and you tipped New South Wales, just to remind you. <laughs> well, who, who, you are you t- who are you tipping in game two, Zorba? Do you think New South Wales to bounce back? I want to see the New South Wales side first. I don't, I don't, I don't have great trust in um, in Freddie Fittler and, and Greg Alexander and picking the right side. I want to, I want to see what side they come up with. But um, uh, certainly Josh Adokar should never have been out of the first side. I mean, talk about loyalty in origin. Well, we showed no loyalty to Josh Adokar and no loyalty to Jake Trevojevic, who I understand is in the side to go to Perth. And uh, Josh Adokar should be. Uh, if both those players are in, I think that'll add to New South Wales. But uh, I want to see what they do out in the centres now with um, uh, with Whiten out of the game as well. Zor, Zappa, cough well, it up. Today, Let's get some money. do the unthinkable. I'm going to to go Raiders to beat the Knights. They're disappointing, the Knights. Really disappointing. Don't like the brand of football they're playing. um, And they'll struggle uh, down in Canberra against the Raiders. Uh, And I'm I'm going to go for the Bulldogs. Look, I thought that was an enormous win 
against Parramatta last week. They're playing the West Tigers, who have got no confidence. Um, tough gig for Brett Kamali to take over there, um, as it is a tough job for uh, uh, for Mick Potter. But Potter um, certainly had the Bulldogs playing a brand of football that um, excited us all uh, last Monday. So I'm going to go with a form on the board. Raiders all up the Bulldogs. And if Queensland, well, they'll stick with their winning side. I'll go for Queensland. All right. There you have it. Um, all right, Zorba, we'll enjoy State of Origin 2 and your Sunday footy, and we'll chat to you next week on the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Okay, boys, have a good one. Thanks, Zorba. Zorba, Peter Peters um, joining us this morning, and we're taking your calls next, 135353, and the SMS line 0419767272 on the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. The Lazarus Effect, great sporting comebacks after people have been written off. We'll be taking your calls next. The Putters Panel. I'm hoping Dragonstone can somewhat posse up midfield. If possible, he gets a long way back in his races. Went to Flemington 42 days between runs and ran a clear new peak on our numbers. And he's a horse that has improved with every run this preparation. On my figures, his best runs have all come on the dry track. Gets the right profile for me. Breathing fire today. Dragonstone for a much-deserved victory. The Putters Panel. Friday morning, Racing HQ. Foreign-owned bookies like Sportsbet and Ladbrokes are taxed less than other Australian gambling products. Support our call for fair play. Visit fairplaycoalition.com.au for more details. Authorised by Aussie Fair Play Coalition Proprietary Limited, Melbourne. It's Cheval Grand! Cheval Grand goes on and wins the Japan Cup! The only place to catch the very best equine superstars from around the globe, first time, every time, is right here. Live and exclusive across the Sky Racing Network. Mum, which came first, the fridge or free delivery? Some might say the fridge came first, since you can't have free delivery without the fridge to deliver. Ah. Others might say free delivery was for fridges waiting to be delivered. Now I'm confused. I'm not. It's not hard, Lionel. Buy a selected Electrolux or Westinghouse fridge right now at Bingley and get free delivery. Now I get it. No, the customer gets it. Free delivery on selected Electrolux and Westinghouse fridges at Bingley. Australia family owned for 65 years. Conditions apply. Very funny, guys. <laughs> oh, come on, mate. Let me in the car. Get in. <laughs> While Harry's locked out, Tab's locking in their best prices possible on a tote win bet. Activate the lock on the Tab app, and if the fixed odds starting price is better when your horse wins, you'll get the difference in cash. And if your horse doesn't win or the tote price is higher, you can use the lock yep, again. Yep, real fun. Tab, long may we play. Excludes WA residents. Available once per day on eligible online bets. Max odds difference payout $100. TNC's a website. Gamble responsibly. Call gamblers at 1-800-858-858. Campanella in the centre. Double or bubble. Highfield Princess. The near side. Naval Crown on the rail. Creative force. The far side. Artorias is staying on powerfully. And the centre. Creative force. The near side. Naval Crown. Tight. Tight between the Godolphin pair. Naval Crown and Creative Force. Artorias was storming home, having had a lot to do. On Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab, this is the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Yes, third for Artorias last night in the Platinum Jubilee. Home Affairs, who was the well-back favourite, finishing down the track. A disappointing result for Team Waller, but of course they had a great result on Tuesday evening with Nature Strip taking out the King Stand. Just updating you with the US Open at the moment being played in Brookline, Massachusetts. It's been a funny old leaderboard this morning. Last I updated you, Scotty Scheffler 
was on top at six under. He's now slipped back to two under, so he's dropped four shots in about three holes. Will Zalatoris is the clubhouse leader at the moment at four under, one shot ahead of Matt Fitzpatrick and also John Rahm there at the moment. The Aussies, the best of the Aussies is Minwoo Lee at two over, so they're well and truly off the pace at the moment. We're taking your calls this morning, 135353 and the SMS number 0419767272. About great sporting comebacks. Graham Arnold is our guest later in the show. And he was a man that was written off. And the fact that he's qualified the Socceroos for a fifth consecutive uh, World Cup campaign is quite an amazing effort. And we've got lots of people participating on this topic this morning on the text line. Yeah, Tony texts in, uh, Ryan. Jeff Harding versus Dennis Andres. Mm. That's a terrific text. June 1989. Harding gone for all money and climbed off the canvas to win, gee, he was a tough fighter, Jeff Harding. Another one here, Bob from Wickham, going back in time. South Sydney in 1955, Ryan. Wow. Last, at the end of the first round, could not afford one more loss. Went on to win the Premiership 12-11 over Newtown. And that was their fifth comp in six years. So a couple of terrific SMSs there, but I do enjoy the Jeff Harding one because he was gone for all money against Don- Dennis Andres. I think, over there in Atlantic City. Yeah, often when we talk about great fighters as this country has produced, sadly, I think Jeff Harding often gets a little bit lost in that conversation, but really what he achieved on the world stage was quite extraordinary, wasn't it? Yeah, he wasn't your classic boxer. He wasn't a boxer, in inverted commas. He was a a bit of a fighter and a street fighter, Mm. but my goodness, he was tough. Yeah. He was tough. I think he beat Andres in Atlantic City. Then he bowled him over again, I think, up in maybe Manchester, so he won the title a couple of times, Jeff Harding, the light heavyweight title. And you're probably right. He doesn't get rated up there with the, the Jeff Fenix, the Costa Zoos, yep. et cetera, et cetera. Probably because he was down a little bit in terms of ability compared to those other fighters. But in terms of toughness, there was no tougher. Let's go to the open line now. And uh, we'll say uh, good morning to Shane. How are you, Shane? Ryan, Dino, how are you, boys? Good, Very Shane. well. What do you got for us? Look, um, just on origin, boys, I agree with you, Bulldog. It's a travesty that Fox is in there. It'll be one of the great mysteries of origin this year, why he's in. There's got to be more to it. I mean, he brings so much to that side on and off the field. And loose play, everything else, I can't understand it. The other certain is, it looks like uh, Trebojevic and Coruscant will come in, which will strengthen the side. But the must, Freddie must do, he must start Cameron Murray at lock and Junior Bolo. Bolo is now the best front rower in the world. You saw him last night with the age, his footwork, his ability to move around the field. He can overload the traffic. Him and Murray must start. Yeah, look, Freddie made those changes late before game one in Sydney. You know, whether they were a success, I guess, is up to the individual. But I'm with you, Shane. I think Junior, well, he was Parlo. Now he's uh, Barlow, I think it is, with a B. Uh, I think he is the best prop in the world. Uh, he's got to be there to start the game. When the collision's happening in that first 15 minutes, I, for one, want our toughest bloke out there, and that is certainly Junior Barlow. So, you know, that's where it's won and lost, often in state of origin, that first 15 to 20 minutes. And uh, as I said, that's where we need the big boppers and the tough boppers, and he fits both those bills. Good on you, Shane. Thanks very much for your call. Let's keep them coming. 13.53.53. Good morning, Greg. G'day, guys. How are you? Very well. That's good. Uh, the one I got for you is the very controversial 2007 Grand Final, Manly versus the Storm. We get beaten 38-4. Everyone wrote us off in 2008. No way could we beat the Storm. Of course, 40-0. Who'll ever forget? 
Never. One of the most famous score lines in rugby mm. league history, 40 nil. I remember Craig Bellamy in the post-match press conference looking stunned. And he just said, I just didn't see that one coming. And 40 points to nil. And, of course, what about the finish, Greg? The great Beaver. Off the, the field, Beaver. Steve Maddai goes down. Yep. And guess who comes back on and scores the winning try? I was at a lunch with Beaver on Friday, actually, Greg, over at North Sydney Leagues Club for the yeah, Brothers good. Junior Club. And I was on stage and I asked him about that. And mm. it sort of gave me goosebumps when he re- recalled how it all unfolded and the try that he scored. He just said, I, I just could not believe that Michael Robertson passed the ball back inside. He said it was yeah. just it was a, a surreal moment, even for the great man himself. It still gives me goosebumps today. Absolutely. Yeah, good call, call, Greg. Greg. Uh, Thanks very much for that. Yeah, the Lazarus Effect, great sporting comebacks is the topic this morning. Good morning, Sean. Morning, guys. How are we? Very well. Mate, 996, and then Olympics, Kieran Perkins. Yep. No, we... Qualified last in the the final, almost gone for all money, and won by, what, six, eight seconds? What a freak. Yeah, I I agree. That that was uh, one I threw up earlier this morning. Um, an amazing effort, isn't it? I mean, how often at the Olympics do you see anyone win from lane eight? You know? No, never. It doesn't happen. Just just extraordinary. Yeah, he was written off and a great champion was Kieran Perkins. That's a, a good one, Sean. Thank you very much. Uh, keep them coming. 13.53.53. Good morning, Adrian. Yeah, good day, guys. I'm going to just talk about Origin too. But first of all, Shane, seriously, show how clueless he is. And Bulldog, how about uh, Payne Haas, Fisher Harris, Papalihi and Tarpane? All four are better than... Junior Ballo, seriously? Yeah. Where are you coming from? Oh, I, I didn't suggest he was probably the you know, the best, but he's certainly up there. You said he's, you agreed with Shane. You said he was the best prop in the game. Well, prove me wrong. It's an opinion. I just gave you four names. Well, you think that. I don't think it. Doesn't mean you're right. <laughs> okay, right. I think you and Shane are the only two on the planet. But anyway, good luck. I mean, what do you think, Ryan? Who would you take out of those five? I, you know, who were the other four that you threw up? Payne Haas, James Fisher-Harris, Josh Papalihi and Joe Tarpanay. They're all good players. Well, no I, doubt I'm about a Broncos it. supporter, so I wouldn't put Payne Haas up there the way he's performing for us this year. But, oh, look, they're all, they're all great. Po- and as Bulldog mentioned, it's a, it's a matter of opinion. Yeah, no, fair enough. Just on game two, the biggest problem with New South Wales is Freddie still hasn't taken 100% ownership of the loss. And not at all. Still, still, yeah, Cameron Munster, who just, you know, blitzed them, yeah, you know, he gets tackled a metre short of the line with the defence completely shot. What well, should have been Sinbin, the player who held him down a metre out from the line, wasn't wasn't Sinbin, wasn't even penalised. That's for Nathan Cleary. Look, he's a high-quality footballer, don't get me wrong. But the best seven in the game, Jerome Hughes, and the reason being, Nathan Cleary, he shut down his kicking game because he lacks pace and he's not that, that evasive. He hasn't, got, hasn't really got a uh, um, plan B to go, to be honest. Yeah, look, certainly Nathan... Um... He was underwhelming, probably the way to put it, Ryan. And I don't want to be here picking on Nathan Cleary. It was a, a, a team effort and you win together, you lose together. And I, we said it before, he, I think he's taken too much responsibility for the loss. But uh, yeah, they did put a lot of pressure on his kicking game and it didn't work out great. But it's up to Freddie now to try to think of a, a plan B to give Nathan more time. And you know, maybe the inclusion of Appy Coruscant might be able to do that. Maybe Appy can do just a... A little bit of kicking. If Burton's there, maybe he could do some kicking as well. I'll be absolutely shocked if Nathan Cleary isn't amongst the Blues' best in Game 2. He's just an absolute superstar, and I think he'll bounce back big. Uh, Thank you, Adrian, for your call. Let's go to Mike. Good morning, Mike. Oh, good morning, guys. Look, I just wanted to make a comment about Chris Waller, and what a great ambassador that guy is for 
horse racing, like his interview style, his his gentlemanly manner, everything about him is just he's just a role model for everybody in the racing game, as far as I'm concerned, and probably the best sporting product that's ever come out of New Zealand. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you, Mike. He's long been terrific to to interview and and a great representative of the sport and the fact that he's there and he's top at and tails on on arguably one of the biggest stages in racing and, and really advertising um, not just the racing industry but the breeding industry in Australia really is a great representative. So well said and a terrific performance by Chris Waller this week. So thank you for your calls. 13.53.53, we'll be getting to them a little bit later as well in the SMS as well, 0419767272. But after the break... We are opening up the lines. It is time for the League Super Quiz. That's next on the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Punters Postmortem with Dave Stanley. Alligator blood for Gay Waterhouse. What a marvel. 150 group ones. Chris Roots. When you put that in that context, 150 group ones, only a father and Bart Cummins are ahead of us. Glenn Munsey. She was quite humble in trying to heap some more praise than what Adrian had actually gained because he's basically been single handedly got this horse back to where he was. Punters Postmortem. Winter edition. Monday, 9 a.m., Racing HQ. G'day, Blocker here. Join me and Ciro on the trip of a lifetime of the Rugby League World Cup in the UK and France this November. Catch all the World Cup action, plus enjoy a World War Battlefields tour. That'll be sensational. Stay in Paris, the Champagne District and London. Be there for both semi-finals plus the men's and women's final. Go to gullivers.com.au and secure your place today. Gullivers, the official travel agent for the Rugby League World Cup. Come on, join us. Get into Totally Workwear Rydalmere for all your winter workwear gear. We stock the best brands like King G, Hard Yakka, FXD and Steel Blue with a huge range of pants, jumpers, jackets and boots. Check out the new Fuse Workwear by King G. You won't be disappointed. Does your workwear branding need a freshen up? Get in store and talk to Darren and the team. Open till 7pm every weekday. Totally Workwear Rydalmere, 279 Victoria Road. Your one-stop winter workwear shop. Here's the latest news on Bingley and of financial year sale. It's the last days. It's almost over. The clock's winding down. Solana will be working 24-7 the next few days. I will? Yep, until every last deal is done. Every last TV, fridge, dryer, coffee machine, oven, computer, dishwasher and Bluetooth speaker that's marked down. Yep. The Bingley end of financial year sale. It ain't over till mum says it's over. It isn't over. Last days at Bingley. Australian family owned for 65 years. Enjoy it. We deserve it. Soak it in. We're going to the grand final. On Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab, this is the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Yes, congratulations to the West Coast Fever, earning the right to host the Super Netball Grand Final, knocking off the Melbourne Vixens 71-62 to in their semi. Um, so they're going to be hosting in Perth. It was going to be uh, there anyway, but they will now play either GWS or Collingwood next week in the preliminary final. So congratulations to the girls. Well, it is now time for the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend League Super Quiz. Bring it on. 12-7. Wayne has texted like he does every week. So 12-7 to whom? To Ray. To Ray. Slash Ryan. Yes. So I need this one today okay. to stay in the game. So, so I'm going to call heads for the coin toss, Steve, please. Tails it is. 
given this is down state of origin yeah. lines, and you wanted to be with Queensland, I'll be with Queensland. I'll go player number one, and that would be you, John. Are you there? John, here. Yeah, I'm really well, mate. Let's rip straight into this quiz. Yep. It's based around state of origin. Question number one. How many drawn state of origin series have there been? One. Actually, two, John. There's actually been two, so you're just off the pace there. Question number two. What year was the state of origin first played as a three-match series? Was it A... 1981, B, 1982, or C, 1983? 82. Correct. First game was in 1980s. The third game, third game again in 81, and that's when they went to all three in 82. One from two, John. Let's get question three done. What record does Jerome Luai hold in state of origin history? Is it A, most run metres in origin, B, most runs in origin, or see most metres per run in origin? Well, I wouldn't have a clue. I'd go C. C is correct. Ah. Well done, John. We flummed one late. Two out of three. Ryan, over to you. Your man. Two Needs out to of be three. Perfect and these win. are Queensland questions. Good morning, Daniel. Good morning, boys. How are you? Very well. Okay, let's go. So the score to beat is two. So let's start with question one. Who holds the most uh, the record for the most tries in state of origin? Um, Greg Inglis. Correct, with 18. So we're on the board. Well done, Daniel. Question two. Queensland holds the longest winning streak in state of origin. How many years is the record? Is it A, six, B, seven, or C, eight? Eight. Correct. And that, of course, was from 2006 to 2013. So, Daniel, if you get this right... You are the winner of our quiz this morning, which is a $100 tab gift card, if, if uh, I'm not mistaken, for the winning prize this morning. So question three, what was the first year that Queensland won all three State of Origin games in the series? Was it A, 1988, B, 1989, or C, 1990? What was it? What was the first right, whoa, year? Whoa, whoa, what's that in the background? Oh, hang on. Are you, you smelling a rat here? I heard it. According to Wikipedia, the voice was there. Daniel, you've been sprung. I heard the lady say it. Wikipedia. <laughs> I'm on the phone now to you. All right, what's, what's your answer? What was the, the first year that Queensland won all three State of Origin games in the series? Was it A, 1988, B, 1989, C, 1990? 89. Incorrect. So we've now got two apiece for both of our players. So we've got a tiebreaker bulldog. We do. John, are you there? So, Daniel, we'll give you the tiebreaker question first. Yep. Um, So the question is, how many points have been scored in state of origin matches at the MCG? It's between 100 and 200. At the MCG. Yep. 163. So yours is 163. Bulldog, I'll go to, let you go to your man, John. Yeah, John, we're into a tiebreaker. And the question is, how many points have been scored in State of Origin matches at the MCG? And the answer is between 100 and 200. Uh, 100 and 
42. 42. Oh, I think we've just I'm missed not, out. I'm not great at maths, <laughs> but the correct answer is 153. And if my calculations are correct, are we saying Daniel's closer? Daniel was 10, and it looks like John's 11. Yes. So he's won by a point. So, Daniel, you've won by a point. Congratulations. Thank you very much. You've, cool. got, you've got a $100 uh, tab gift card. That was a, a very hard-fought um, league super quiz this morning. Did you not hear in the background that voice go Wikipedia? I says, did hear a Siri-type uh, exactly. voice in the background. So, but anyway, it didn't matter because he actually again, he got that question wrong anyway if, okay. he, if he was. But how many questions had he done to get it right previously? Well, we didn't hear Siri then, did no, we? No, he just turned it down. Good on you, Daniel. I, I say you've won fair and square, so congratulations, <laughs> mate. Made me brother did in the background, not me. All right, Daniel. Good on you. Well done, champ. Good on you, Daniel. Congratulations winning the league super quiz this morning. There's, there's always controversy in the in the quiz, isn't there? Well, what it is just it? seems to follow it. Incredible. But I could clearly hear it in the background. This will stick with me. This is like Manly losing the last minute. This will sting. <laughs> yeah. This will sting. We both tip Manly. We're both a bit dirty on, on that result. Um, keep your calls coming in on the open line number as well this morning, 135353, and the SMS as well, 0419767272. And we've had some, some great uh, messages coming in this morning. Uh, this one, what about... Um, Ali, exiled, came back once again and one of the greatest wins. And what about Pat Cash in the Davis Cup? Two sets to love down after playing. Um, it almost won it in five sets against the great Swedish team. That was from Gary in Newcastle. So, yep, that was another good one for sure. What about this? Michael texts in. Howdy, boys. Dean, this bloke just cheated and you caught him out. Well done, <laughs> Google. I could hear it too. Well done investigating, Dino. So, again, I'd like to have a... Second opinion on whether Daniel. Well, look, Poly, have Polly's won this. come in saying controversial disqualification disqualif- <laughs> for Daniel, I say. <laughs> exactly. Greatest comebacks of all time South Sydney Bunnies after being booted out from the comp. Yep. 1999, I think it was. They came back in 01. Certainly was a stirring comeback there for the Bunnies. Yeah, well, of course, um, this is the talk topic this morning. The Lazarus Effect, great sporting comebacks after being written off, and we're doing that in honour of Graham Arnold, who will be our guest in the final hour this morning on the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. That and plenty more still to come. Jared Daffy is coming up next. And now, Jared Daffy's Life Lessons. Life Lessons with Jared Daffy. What have you got for us this Sunday? Good morning to you both. Another controversial morning, isn't did you, it? Did uh, you hear in the background? Uh, yeah, but is it in the rules that you can't do that? Well, it's, I it's reckon a lot of people. I know morally, it's, it's morally probably not Google. Yeah, it's morally, but I reckon a lot of people yeah. do it. H- how yeah. do you scrutinise that on radio? Well, you can't. Uh, it's a bit difficult. You've, you've got to send the scrutineers out to the people's house or car. <laughs> a bit difficult. Uh, now, do you know? I know you're a bit of a movie buff, etc. But this one's probably aimed at you. If Donkey Kong's main character is a monkey, why isn't it called Monkey Kong? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, you're on fire today. It's a good start. That is. It's a valid good. question. It is. A, it is a, it valid, is a valid question. question. All yours are, Jared. All yours are. Hmm. What's happening with the NRL interstate of origin? Well, today uh, Canberra fairly short, dollar thirty-five. Newcastle three twenty-five. 
a line of eight and a half. And obviously we had these markets up last week for the for the following round. And at that stage, the Bulldogs, I think, were 2.25. Well, from what we saw last Monday, they zoomed into favouritism, $1.74. West Tigers at 2.10. And on that match, it probably should be $1.01. But um, Punt is a little bit apprehensive to, to launch into the 174 at the moment. And Origin, well, uh, obviously a couple more casualties uh, leading into next week's match. So the market hasn't really changed. One's negated the other. New South Wales, $1.77. Queensland, $2.05. And a small line there in favour of the Blues, one and a half points. All right. What about the series overall? Queensland are still favourite to take out the series, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And obviously, Ryan, that's courtesy of, of that uh, that one win that they do have. And they were $1.40 last time I looked, and New South Wales were $3.00. Actually, a bit better now, the Blues. $3.10, and Queensland $1.38. AFL today, um, gee, it's not a, a stellar matchup between no. the Gold Coast Suns and Adelaide Crows, but what's doing on the punting? No, just the one match today with, uh, obviously, uh, the split rounds. And it's a late start, three twenty. The Gold Coast at dollar twenty. Uh, Adelaide four dollars fifty, and a line of twenty six and a half points. We've got next rounds or next week's rounds up. And Thursday night, what a clash this will be! Melbourne taking on Brisbane. Melbourne lost three in a row. Brisbane uh, have been one of the form sides of the competition. And just a quick update, Ryan, on the premiership. Well, a month ago, Melbourne were two dollars forty, and punters were climbing over each other to take that. Three dollars sixty unwanted. Mm. Brisbane five fifty, Fremantle seven, Geelong eight fifty, Richmond ten, and the Swans they just won't go away, will they? They're eleven dollars now, so they're in the mix. Jared, while we're talking, <laughs> the quiz line, <laughs> people are blowing up, are blowing up deluxe in here. Ripped yeah. off, says uh, one text, no name on that one. No question, Daniel via collaboration. Another oh. one. That was worse than Dean's inflection antics. Another mm. one, Shane from Budrum. The quiz has sunk to a new low. There needs to be a Raw Commission. <laughs> Tim from Canberra. So dodgy the quiz it would make the Labor Party pre-selection committee blush. Harsh. You know, cheat, Daniel. Yeah. Cheat, cheat, says another one. It's just going on and on and on. You know the sad part about this? I mean, as we all know, uh, Dean, you're not everybody's cup of tea. And <laughs> as much as I like you, uh, you and do. we've seen you cop it for the last two years now in the quiz and, and your antics, but I think the pendulum swung. This one today, you might have people on your side oh, now. 100%. Hey, speaking of pendulum swimming, uh, swinging, the US Open golf this morning, that leaderboard has chopped and changed. We had Scotty Scheffler on top of the leaderboard at six under about an hour ago, and he's dropped five shots in the last three, four holes. It's just been an incredible yeah. uh, passage there for the Masters champion. Will Zalatoris is currently the clubhouse leader, but Matt Fitzpatrick has levelled at four under there at the moment. So what's happening with the US Open as far as betting activity is concerned? Well, live betting's been an interesting watch, Ryan. Of course, you can bet live on this as we speak and also uh, throughout the final round tomorrow. Uh, the telephone number is the way to go there. But right now, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick is the $4 favourite ahead of Will Zalatoris at four fifty, John Rahm, five fifty, and then out to $9 for Rory McIlroy. It's only 20 or so minutes ago that when I was looking, Scotty Scheffler was favourite and Colin Marikawa uh, was right behind him. So got a few holes to play. It'll be completely updated at the end of the today's play. But given there's so many players still in contention, I think it's going to be a terrific betting round the last round. And just finally, Jared, supercars? 
Yeah, races two and three today in Darwin. Anton Di Pasquale got back into the winner's list yesterday. Shane Van Gisbergen, the favourite in race two today, uh, 2.25. Di Pasquale is 3.25. Cam Waters, 5.50. Will Davison, 7. And the rest are $11 or better. Good on you, Jared. Always a pleasure to chat, mate. See you, boys. Thanks, All right. Mate. Now, there's an, another text came in. Um, compromise. Daniel gets the money. So someone's saying it was, it was fair enough. Uh, that was from Rooster Man. He said that you got the point, though, but he was my man, Daniel. He was. So that's another one for Ray. So what's it now, 13-7? Oh, look, yeah. I'm starting to really get my back up over this. Well, you might have to have the Lazarus effect because <laughs> that, be that, that's week. quite a big margin at the moment to, to bridge, you know, a seven-point margin now. Yeah, there's a long way to go. You know what? There's a thing called karma, right? And if I stay calm, karma will come my way. So I'm going to take a chill pill and turn to my right, and there's a very special guest. Very special guest. In, in our studio. In the studio. Uh, the great one man. Of, one of my favourites, one of our favourites on the Big Sports Breakfast. Phil Moss, who is still grinning like a Cheshire cat after what was a wonderful Socceroos qualification for a fifth consecutive World Cup on Tuesday. Good morning, Phil. It was just an incredible result, wasn't it? It absolutely was. Great to be here and see you, Ryan. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> and you, Bulldog. Keep of course. going. Of course. <laughs> no, nice to be uh, back in here. Uh, second trip into the studio this week. First time in months and months. But, um, yeah, look, it was uh, it was amazing. It was, let, let's just take the... The game and, and qualification for the World Cup in isolation to start with before we look big picture. But, um, you know, what that squad and staff and obviously led by Arnie have been through to get us to this World Cup is remarkable. Over a thousand days of qualification. There was 500 days without a game because of lockdowns. So it started um, essentially 2019, is that correct? Correct. Yeah. 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 It's uh, You talk about going on a journey. Well, <laughs> this seemed like the never-ending journey and then it ended um, in the most emotional way with the last kick of the qualifying campaign uh, to be the second last country to qualify for this World Cup in Qatar. Um, so just amazing scenes and mm. there's so many different ingredients that went into it um, and, and we'll talk about a few of them now but just the emotional high of it. Um, I was sitting in a hotel room by myself in Melbourne for, for work getting ready to go into the Melbourne office and um, I, I don't mind saying I was running around my, my hotel room looking for something or someone to hug um, ended up knocking over a lamp, but uh, it was just wild scenes. And Federation Square wasn't too far from where I was, and I could hear the noise out the window. Uh, I didn't dare go down there, though. I probably wouldn't have turned up for work if I did. <laughs> Mossy, when you look at Arnie, uh, the way it was done, the lockdowns, COVID, travelling, hotel rooms, you know, on his own, middle of nowhere, to come back and do it the hard way too through the draw, it would have to, in my opinion, go down as one of the Great coaching achievements in Australian sporting history. And I don't say that lightly. No, nor would you, Bulldog, with your history. Um, and, and I mean that with all due respect because you're not a rusted-on football man. You, you're obviously from a, from a different code. Um, but I know you love your sport. So for you to say that, um, I know there's a lot of thought that's gone into that. And, and I'm obviously going to agree with that, given my background. But um, I, I just think anyone who has any personal criticism of, of Graham Arnold for what he's done and how he steered the ship um, really doesn't understand the, the mechanics of, of what's gone on because there was no playbook for this one. Um, it was absolutely um, suck and see as you go and, and just make the best decisions that you can. He had to go through a lot of players. There were players pulling out for, for all sorts of reasons 
uh, along the way, and and some key players. Look, Tommy Rogic pulled out four days before this one. Um, you know, that's a huge, huge loss. You talk about the foundation we've got um, from a point of view of, you know, defensive structure and, and things like that. But Tommy Rogic is the key that unlocks the door in the attacking half mm. um, to scoring and creating goals. So huge, huge blow. But if you haven't got your culture right, if you haven't got the foundation right to fall back on, things like that derail a campaign. Mm. There's no doubt about it. And that did not derail a campaign. In, in, in fact, it was used in the reverse. It probably galvanised the squad just that little bit extra to go that extra mile and get the result. So much of the story behind this has been the scrutiny around Graham Arnold. As we mentioned, a long qualification process that started in 2019. I think the Socceroos won their first 11 games and they were on song. But then they fell off the perch. I think they had a few draws, a couple of losses, I think one win. And particularly our loss to Japan early this year, the drums were beating for Graham Arnold. And regardless, it's, it seemed like people wanted him gone there and then. Just take us through that process, the challenges that he faced, whether or whether or not you think that that scrutiny w- was fair on Graham Arnold. Just your take on it in the lead up to to that qualification game on Tuesday. Yeah, look, great point, Ryan. And um, you know, did Arnie go to some uh, some some dark places during that process? Of course he did. But like any coach under scrutiny in a in a pressure cooker hot seat, um, we all we all do uh, at different levels. Um, but I think the thing that Arnie did so well was he, he was the the cushion between the team and the public. You know, the, while the focus was on him and the criticism was on him, he was happy because it meant that, that it was deflected from the team so the players could just focus on their job. Um, he's got a really good support network around him um, of, of good people uh, who tell him how it is, which is which is really important. It's not just blowing smoke. Um, and I, I think that played a key role. You can ask him, obviously, when he comes on air. But... Um, I think the thing with Arnie was he never lost um, belief in his ability and, and his position as the best person to take this team through to the World Cup. Never never for a moment. And I think if, if you then fast forward, and, and don't forget, by the way, he, he missed two games. Uh, he was in lockdown, isolation, mm. quarantine for two of those games. Um, and, and when the team doesn't have the head coach there, you know, no matter how strong your processes are it's so hard to get peak performance because it's just different it's a different environment um he showed what he can do when he had 10 days with the the team before the uae and and peru game and that made all the difference in the end at the finish line where, where we needed it most so that was uh that was crucial fa uh held the course they they showed good leadership to keep him in the in the role um because after um after that game um, away, uh, I forget the, who we played the third last game, but um, there was real smoke that they were going to move him on, um, or Arnie was going to he was going to walk away if he didn't get the support he needed. That meeting went really well. Um, they stuck by him. They gave him more support that he needed to get us through UAE and, and Peru. Mm. Do you think some of the criticism Mossy was? Pushed toward the Socceroos, but it was personal against Arnie? Yes, I do. Yeah, I don't Why? think you can argue that. Arnie divides opinion. Um, you know, and people who don't know him don't understand him. Uh, you, you know him well enough, Bulldog. He's he's he, No one bleeds Australian blood like Graham Arnold. And, and his problem, his double-edged sword, and I'll never forget Goose Hiddink saying this way, way back when Arnie was his assistant, his double-edged sword is, an, is, a, is his emotional attachment to Australia. 
um, you know, the, the, the top coaches in the world coach teams that they're not necessarily emotionally attached to. It, they go in, they get a job done. Um, and, of course, you build your culture around emotion and, and all sorts of things. But but only cares about the whole game, yet really he's judged on one thing, and that's results for the Socceroos. Um, we saw what he did in lockdown, the performance gap, um, trying to fix the game and, and get younger players um, more opportunities to play games. So, you know, that, that definitely is part of it. But I thought some of the um, some of the criticism, well, a lot of the criticism became personal, and that's not okay. It's just not. He's a human being. Mm. First, he's, he's not a coach. He's not a leader. He's not a manager. He's a human being who happens to be a coach, leader, and, and manager at, at the top level. So people forget that. And um, people who criticise him personally don't know him as, mm. a, as a human being. Well, over 20 games in the qualification process, it essentially comes down to one, doesn't it? And it was the game against Peru. And what an extraordinary game it was. I think it's fair to say in regular time, maybe the Socceroos with a better team. Um, then in extra time, it seemed as though Peru went up a notch and it looks like we were lucky that they maybe hit the post and they didn't get it done there. When it went to penalties, and obviously before you know they, they blew full time and, and making the change with Matt Ryan, the, the skipper for Andrew Red, Redmayne, a, a big call. But what were your thoughts going into that penalty shootout? Because it's, it is flip of the coin really, isn't it? But still, there's a lot of calculated thought that goes into it, particularly with that keeper swap. I had an eerie feeling of absolute confidence we were going to win that. And I'll tell you why. First of all, the way we talk about culture and the foundation you've set, the way Matty Ryan left that pitch, I think, set the tone for us to go on and win the penalty shootout. He left with his head held high, chest out, strode off that pitch, gave Redders a massive hug, said, this is your time. That comes down to culture that's been built for the last four years. You can you can take that all the way back to the Central Coast Mariners days when I only first got hold of, of Matty Ryan as a 17-year-old kid. Building that culture into him, and he, he's got to be the person that executes under that moment because other, other players could have dragged their heels and, you know, been stroppy and slapped away the coach's hand and all that stuff that we've seen. But the way Matty Ryan handled that, I think, gave Redders an extra foot. Um, because then when he came on, he was he was ready to go. We all know his, his Wiggles routine, that played a part. But I think the other thing that the substitution did was really got into the heads of the Peru players. They, they would have been looking over going, what's going on here? This guy must be a freak at saving penalties or whatever it did to their mindset. Then there was the notes on the water bottle. I can't believe there's been any criticism of Andrew Redmayne for throwing that water bottle into the crowd. <laughs> um, I mean, that for me, you've got to seize those big moments. I mean, we've had teams where we've gone away in World Cup qualifiers who have set fire alarms off in the middle of the night to wake us up and spat on us at the airport and, all you know, flights go missing, buses don't turn up. All that stuff plays into it. So to see notes on a water bottle and, and get rid of them, I think was a masterstroke by Andrew Redmayne. Leo from Burwood has texted in Mossy. Uh, gents, please ask Phil, does Graham Arnold now take Tom Rogic to the World Cup as Tom turned his back on the Socceroos? Interesting point. Well, it is, but we don't know if Tom turned his back on the Socceroos because we don't know what the personal reasons were. So, as I've said all along, first and foremost, I hope Tommy and his family are okay. Um, he's a great lad, Tommy Rogic. Um, we don't know. He didn't go into any further detail, um, and you can ask Arnie when he comes on air if there's been any, any update there. But um, first and foremost, th- there needs to be a, a conversation around what the personal reasons were and whether he's okay. Um, and then decisions need to be made whether he wants to go to the World Cup, whether Arnie would take him to the World Cup. He's certainly one of our talisman. There's no doubt about that. Um, and you need 
top quality players at the World Cup because um, it goes up at several levels from qualifiers. So time will tell. I can't answer that. Mm. Uh, Mossy, stay with us because we're going to chat to Graham Arnold, who's our special guest coming up this hour. We'd love you to be a part of that and talk some more football with us. We've got to go to the news. Also coming up in the next hour, we're going to be chatting to Phil Buzz Rothfield about all things NRL and State of Origin as well. It's the Big Sports Breakfast weekend as we say goodbye to our Queensland audience. A big hour still to come. Hello, I'm Sarah Warmby. A needle-free Australian-made COVID vaccine will undergo human trials this week. Zach De Silva reports. The Aussie-made immunisation will be administered as a spray, making protection easier for anyone afraid of needles. It's also been developed to target the highly transmissible Omicron strain and can be stored at room temperature. The vaccine is being trialled at the Royal Adelaide Hospital and, if successful, could be considered by the TGA next year. Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews is being accused of showing a complete disregard for the lives of Victorians as COVID deaths rise. 120 people have died in the past week. The state government has moved to ease some COVID restrictions from next weekend, including a change to workplace vaccine mandates. But leading epidemiologist Nancy Baxter says the lack of leadership coming from the Andrews government is astounding. So we've decided it's in the bucket of too hard. So we're just going to allow a higher level of cases, a higher level of illness, a higher level of death than we need to have if we did some sensible things like really encourage mask wearing and showing leadership in mask wearing, i.e. our political leaders actually being seen wearing masks. Britain's Prime Minister Boris Johnson says it's important that the Western world continues to support Ukraine in its war against Russia. The BBC's Danny Eberhardt has more. Prime Minister Johnson said Ukraine fatigue was beginning to set in around the world. He did not elaborate on why he felt that, whether it was signals from other leaders or his perception of the public mood at a time of rising food and energy prices and deepening economic woes. One thing he did stress nearly four months into the war was the need for allies to provide Ukraine with what he termed strategic resilience. Mr Johnson said it would be catastrophic if President Putin were able to secure territorial gains already made. These would, he suggested, allow Russia to freeze the conflict before launching a further assault later. The Aboriginal flag will be flying permanently atop the Sydney Harbour Bridge by the end of the year. Millions of dollars have been set aside in the state budget to install a third flagpole on the landmark. The installation of the six-storey high flagpole is expected to cost about $25 million. Four people have been injured in a crash at a Speedway event in Brisbane overnight. A mechanical failure saw the car crash into a wall at the Power Cruise event at Willowbank Raceway. Three adults and a 15-year-old girl were injured in the crash. And the home of some of the world's oldest trees is getting an upgrade. Walking trails and canopy tracks will be installed at the Dorigo National Park in New South Wales alongside new accommodation under a $56 million state budget investment. New South Wales Parks and Wildlife Area Manager Glenn Storey says once finished, the project will be an immersive experience. There's a growing demand for people to want to walk in nature for more than just short walks and to really experience wild places. And this Dorigo escarpment uh, walk will absolutely deliver that in spades. This is Air News.
The Western Bulldogs have kept their finals hopes alive with a 20-point victory in an AFL shootout with arch-rivals GWS. Bulldogs coach Luke Beveridge says the Giants really challenged them, but the team hung on. The contributions across the board from the boys was, you know, was impressive. It was telling in the end. Obviously, they had a couple of injuries which hurt them. Um, they played a brand of footy that really challenged us. Geelong and Port Adelaide also posted wins. Parramatta has put in a solid performance to defeat the Roosters in the NRL 26-16. Eels coach Brad Arthur says it shows they're a serious contender. It was only a couple of weeks ago, you know, we on a five-day turnaround, we went out and played like that against, you know, Penrith, who were the best team over the last couple of years. So it's there, it's in us. We've got to have that killer instinct and that drive to want to do it every week. The Panthers thrashed the Warriors 40-6 and the Sharks beat the Titans 18-10. In Super Nepal, the West Coast Fever has booked its spot in the grand final after beating the Melbourne Vixens 71-62. Their opponents will be decided in today's semi-final between the Giants and Collingwood. The Crusaders are Super Rugby champions, smashing the Blues 21-7. And in the tennis, Nick Kyrgios is out of the Hala Open, going down to Poland's Hubert Hercatch, two sets to one. Hercatch now takes on Daniil Medvedev in the final. Australian Independent Radio News. With Play Central on the Tab app, you can watch the greatest racing from Australia and around the world wherever you want. Like while working on your tan at the beach. Flicking between Sky Racing 1, 2 and Thoroughbred Central while waiting for your car to be washed. And you can watch and bet while you're getting a short back and sides. Play Central, only on the Tab app. Tab, long may we play. Available online for Tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help, 1800 858 858. G'day, Blocker here. Join me and Ciro on the trip of a lifetime of the Rugby League World Cup in the UK and France this November. Catch all the World Cup action, plus enjoy a World War Battlefields tour. That'll be sensational. Stay in Paris, the Champagne District and London. Be there for both semi-finals plus the men's and women's final. Go to gullivers.com.au and secure your place today. Gullivers, the official travel agent for the Rugby League World Cup. Come on, join us. On Sky Sports Radio, the traffic report. Don't have Foxtel? Get live sport, drama, movies and Netflix with Foxtel's Very Big Deal. On sale now. Ends June 30. Search Foxtel or call 131 787. In Katoomba, a car has crashed on the Great Western Highway near Park Street with delays heading westbound. In Orchard Hills, a hazard on the M4 motorway approaching Kent Road has delays for westbound travellers. Richmond, look out for a car that's crashed on Lennox Street at Burke Street. The road currently closed in both directions. Motorists are being diverted into Burke Street. Hurry, the bond's got to have 40% off every Everything sale is in its final days. Head in store or online now. See bonds.com.au for terms and exclusions. I'm Thomas Reeve, number one in racing on Sky Sports Radio. On the big sports breakfast, interstate weather. A quick check of the weather, 19 degrees in Sydney the top and some showers about. And for the Canberra Raiders match against Newcastle today in the nation's capital, tops of 15, lows of zero degrees and potential snow. Nifty from Jerome Luai, skipping about and showing. What about that from Jerome Luai? What about the grandstand jump from Montau? It's over. The Golden State Warriors return to a familiar place. They're on top of the NBA world. The fourth title in eight years. Nice. Tapped on by Kennedy. Katoa's got another one. How good was that from the fullback? Wonderful pickup, Madison. Oh, shot. He keeps it going. Incredible.
It's a save that means the World Cup for Australia. No one gave them much of a chance, but never, ever right off the Socceroos. On Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab, the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. It is great to have you with us on the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Ryan Phelan, Dean Bulldog, Rich and Phil Moss in with us this half hour as well. Just mentioning in the um, weather report there, potential snow in Canberra. Remember the snow game back in 2000? Canberra versus West Tigers? West Tigers, yeah. I didn't cover that one, but I remember it clearly. I don't think there's ever been any other snow game, certainly that I can recall. Wouldn't that be nice and chilly down there this afternoon? Yeah, so the and most the Canberra fans. GIO press box is outside. Yeah, right. So if you're covering that game... Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> well, what an extraordinary start to the week it was for Australian sports fans because the Socceroos are through to a fifth consecutive World Cup in really the most unlikely of circumstances, winning through in a penalty shootout against Peru on Tuesday morning. Um, Andrew Redmayne celebrated with his goalkeeping heroics. Similar, I guess, John Aloisi uh, during our 2005 qualification for the 2006 World Cup. But... This qualification in many ways is even sweeter because this team is a far cry from the so-called golden generation of previous campaigns. Probably the only link to that golden era might be the coach, and that is Graham Arnold, written off by many this campaign. His tenacity and commitment to the Australian badge is really something to be revered, and it's our absolute pleasure to welcome Graham Arnold to the Big Sports Breakfast weekend this morning. Good morning, Graham, and congratulations. Uh, good morning, guys. How are you? Very well. How do you feel? How do you sum up your emotions? Um, obviously, with so much of the pressure on you ahead of, well, long before um, Tuesday morning, is it one of relief or is it now a steely focus on what's next? Well, I think at the moment it's uh, more relief. I think that, um, you know, with what the boys have been through and and I don't want to talk too much about the, the past and we looked, uh, looked at the future, but... Uh, it was, you know, the boys uh, sacrificed so much, the staff sacrificed so much during, you know, what we had to go through. But uh, overall, you know, as I said, it's, it's relief at the moment, but I'm still quite stunned. I've, uh, I've only been home for two nights and I find myself sitting there on YouTube watching the penalty shootout back because I didn't really watch it. I, had, <laughs> I, I, I sat on the bench and I thought, I can't watch this. So, um, it's, it's, as I said, I'm, I, I feel... Yeah, I feel uh, great for the boys. Morning, Arnie. Um, mate, congratulations, of course. Um, many more conversations to happen behind the scenes. But on, on national radio, I want to ask you about the first emotion you felt. We know you don't watch penalties. Um, yeah. But uh, the first emotion you felt, with all the belief you have, um, I'd be surprised if it wasn't satisfaction because you had the belief we were always going to get there. So when Redders saved that penalty, what was your first emotion? Yeah, look, uh, it was just, yeah, just uh, as you said, Mossy, it was just, uh, I just couldn't believe it because, you know, if there is one penalty to miss, it is the first one. And, of course, Martin Boyle missed that first one and uh, I didn't lose belief. It was great when, you know, you got the players looking at you saying, hey, Arnie, we'll be fine, we'll be fine. I'm thinking, oh, that's that's great, but uh, we need to be and, and that. But it was just... Uh, you know, it was an incredible experience, uh, you know, as I said, in, in Qatar, beautiful air-conditioned stadiums. And the boys were just so determined to do this for the nation and, and do it for themselves. And uh, as I said, I couldn't have been prouder of them. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, 
you know, it's something that, uh, you know, that I think the nation will look at for a, a very, very long, long time. Talk us through the uh, the massive decision. Obviously, uh, I'm, I'm sure it wouldn't have been a massive decision for you because it was so educated. But uh, I've gone on record this week as saying the way Matty Ryan left that pitch set the tone for yeah. us to go on and win the penalty shootout. shootout. Talk us through it from your perspective. Absolutely, Mossy. He accepted it uh, so well. And I'm being 100% honest with everyone. I, I, you know, I couldn't tell Matty beforehand because it would have affected the rest of his game. Because I know Matty is a, a you know that type of winner. Um, it was just a gamble that I took because you know these days with the new rules where the goalkeeper's got to have at least you know one of his feet on the line, it means that uh, you know if it's a penalty taker hits it hard and just inside the post, well then uh, you know, Matty's one meter eighty two eighty three, where Redmayne's one ninety five uh, centimeters, and and so you need the bigger the taller goalkeeper. So it was. I had half of the staff looking at me like I was mad and the other half who already knew about it, that um, <clears throat> that we put Redders on just solely for that, but also to get into the Peruvians' mind because they would have studied... Uh, they would. You still there? Yep. Yep. Uh, they would have studied the, um, you know, Matty Ryan and the way Matty, uh, you know, with uh, the way he's in, in uh, you know, for the way he saves penalties... But they wouldn't have known too much or anything about Andrew Redmayne. And, uh, you know, you could see Andrew's antics um, during the penalty shootout that really um, affected the Peruvians. You know, when I look back at those those penalties, the two players that were looking at Redders and were watching him before they took it, the two that missed it, the the three that looked down at the ground and didn't look at what he was doing, they scored. So it just showed that uh, to get into the Peruvians' mind and uh, to make... To try and get that one percenter, uh, it worked. Bold also because I would imagine if there was a pecking order, you know, and there was an injury to Matty Ryan, Danny Vukovic maybe would have been your, num- your number two. I mean, w- was, is that a fair assessment? Uh, look, I think uh, you know Redders and Danny Vukovic are probably equal. Um, but you know, coaching Redmayne at Sydney FC um, and seeing him save a lot of penalties in the A League uh, is, is the reason why. I took that risk, and Redders, uh, Andrew knew about it, uh, so we gave him pretty much 10 days or so to study the penalties from Peru. Um, John Crawley did a fantastic job uh, with Andrew to get uh, to get him ready, uh, and Rene Molenstone, every uh, training session was taking boys, you know, we'd, we practiced the walk from the centre circle down to, uh, to the penalty box and uh, for the players to practice the penalties, and and to build their belief that if the penalty shootout did come along, that uh, they were ready for it. So, you know, our preparation for that side of it was spot on. Talking of preparation, Arnie, just very quickly, Redders throwing the opposition goalkeeper's water bottle away has copped a lot of headlines this week. Um, preconceived idea or just spur of the moment from Redders? Uh, that was spur of the moment from Redders. So he obviously, uh, I've watched it back, he obviously saw it. Uh, saw the, the goalkeeper going to that drink bottle and looking at it before penalties, and and read his after the second one went and saw it and grabbed it and threw it in the <laughs> into the crowd. But uh, brilliant, yeah, yeah. But that's mate. You know, people can say what they want. It's about winning, and uh, it's a, and he found a way for us to win. Arnie, next time you go to <clears throat> Forest Villarreal Club with your mate Slater, given what you've achieved, do you think Robbie, who's notoriously careful with his money, might shout you a beer, just one, because he's a tight ass. Let's be honest. Well, mate, uh, look, uh, Robbie, I think may, but 
I'd be more interested to see if you actually do, because uh, I think you're worse. I only, but my contacts are rugby league. You're the one of the big yeah, money, not me. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, is that right? Yes. Well, you're, you're, you're complaining about having to go down to Canberra in the cold. Ayans, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit self-indulgent, but I, I wrote what I thought was a really lovely story in today's Sunday telly about you and your family and the impact that your mum and dad... Uh, Faye and Barry had on you when you were growing up and, and the solid support of your brother, Colin. It was a, it was a really lovely interview and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But just run us through your, your family, Arnie, and how you seem to turn to them and, and, and look to them when life's challenges arise. Yeah, look, I, I haven't read it, to be honest. My brother sent, it, uh, sent me a text and said it was a brilliant article and thank you. Uh, well, most uh, of mine are, Arnie. You know that. And, uh, no, look, um, you know, I... I I grew up the hard way, you know, people think that maybe I didn't, but uh, I grew up the hard way and, and you know, my mum was ill from the age of 16 and she had breast cancer and that, that went pretty much before anyone had ever heard of it and uh, went through to her spine and everything, but she fought for four years to stay alive and, and you know, she was in Calvary for a year and uh, and she was uh, such a wonderful lady and when when she was ill, I, I went off the rails quite a bit and... Uh, wasn't interested in playing sport much at all. I was playing cricket as well as, as football, and you know I, I, I lost a taste for it. And pretty much until you know a couple of days before she died, and uh, she said uh, she said to me, grabbed me by the hand, and she could barely barely open her eyes anymore. And she said, Graham, you have uh, a special talent. Don't waste it. Don't be a bum like some of your mates." <laughs> and. Uh, and it really resonated with me. And from there, I went home and I stopped partying, stopped, stopped going out. I actually gave away being an apprentice builder. Um, and, I, and I just drove myself every day to train hard, work hard. And, and then I was fortunate enough, I went to Sydney, Croatia, and they were fantastic people and, and great for me. And uh, two years later, I debuted for the Socceroos. And you know, my father's side of it, he was hard as, hard as nails, always you know, very firm on me. Um, he was my coach till at the age of 16 till my mum got ill and he stopped coaching. He didn't want to know about it anymore. And uh, and it hit him hard as well. But, uh, you know, I remember days where, you know, I was, if I was seven or eight years of age, nine years of age, and if I didn't play well, he made me walk home. <laughs> He'd get in the car. <laughs> tough school, Hans. <laughs> uh, A tough school. Yeah. Well, he was tough, very tough. And he was very soft on my brother. And... Uh, and my brother was, um, he's just been an outstanding support team for all these years that I've been a, you know, an elite footballer or when I was playing or, or even when I went into coaching. And, you know, with uh, whenever I needed someone to speak to, I could always pick up the phone to him or he was the first one to check in on me to see if I was okay after bad results or something. And, uh, you know, he's always been in the background. He's, uh, he's a fantastic person and uh, he's been special in my life. Yeah, I've uh, watched many games with, with Cole and his brother and uh, it's it's a beautiful relationship when you see siblings um, with such a tight bond so it was great to see you call Cole out. Arnie, let's talk about the path forward. I'm sure you uh, you probably only just sobered up um, <laughs> and haven't had a chance to, to think too deeply about it but can you give us just a rough, uh, a rough guide of what you're uh, hoping for over the next few months? Yeah, look, Marcy, to be honest, I haven't even thought about it. It's just still uh, surreal to me. But obviously, we got France, uh, Denmark and Tunisia, nearly exactly the same group as 2018. 
Um, and I actually, when I went to Russia in 2018, and I was sitting in the grandstands, a uh, grandstand, sorry, watching the game, I felt that we didn't try to go out and win the game. We just tried not to lose. And uh, you know that was exactly what we did against Peru. We, we we're going to try. We will go out there on the pitch and and take away their strength. And their strength is their technique. And we will, you know, chase and 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 suffocate them that they can't have any time on the ball. And we will try to you know dominate the game in that aspect. And but uh, go out there and play, play with a lot of pride on the shirt and do the, do our country proud. But you know there is stuff that I've already been saying to the boys and. You know, when you look back at the history of uh, the Socceroos and the World Cup, we've only ever won two games in the history of the Socceroos of the World Cup. One in 2006, of course, with Timmy Cale uh, against Japan, and one in 2010 in a dead rubber game against Serbia. So we're going there, and we, uh, uh, you know, going there with a, a great motivation and drive and expectations to, yeah, to go out and do a great job, but also win games and. And I think that's the most important thing. Hey, Arns, Tom Rogic didn't play in the big game. Is he still part of your plans for the World Cup? Well, I, you know, as I said, I, you know, I had, I've had the conversations with, with Tommy and uh, before uh, he pulled out for personal reasons. I still don't know what they are. Um, so it'll be further conversations down the track, no doubt. Arnie, massive 12 months coming up for the game here. I know you care passionately about the whole of the game not just the the Socceroos we've got the World Cup now locked in we've got the Women's World Cup we're hosting how big a 12 months is this for the game and in your opinion is there a is there a a simple recipe for for capitalizing on this 12 months well Mossy I I really um don't want this victory to paper over the cracks in our game because uh there is a lot and those cracks need to be filled and you know all I want is for young kids and play, young players and, and that to have uh, great lives and fulfil their dreams of becoming footballers. And, you know, there's not many opportunities for kids. I did the Olympic team because I could see that there was no kids coming through. And out of that Olympic team, nine players and, and us qualifying, nine players have gone overseas. And, and that's how the golden generation was born, was because of the development system, the AIS, uh, playing for the junior national teams, putting a lot of money into the junior national teams to give them those, those experiences. And, uh, you know, as I said, it's uh, it's a wonderful achievement, obviously, to qualify, but I don't want it to paper over the cracks of what needs to happen at the APL level as well as the state feds level where the kids are given opportunities to play games. And for me, you know, I, I spent 18 months during COVID trying to help fix that with the state federations and the A-League clubs. The kids just need more football. You know, they don't need 22 rounds. They need 36 rounds. They need more minutes on the field. And the only way you can become better as a footballer in any sport or even in journalism <laughs> is the more you do it, the better you get. And uh, I just feel that in this country that we are nowhere near, we don't play anywhere near as much football as every other nation around the world. And when we go to a world tournament, um, we're not we're not prepared enough because we don't play enough football where the other nations do. Mm. I'm not sure what happened to Bulldog Richie then because he's written thousands of th- stories and he hasn't got any better over the years. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> what it made, oh, just to uh, hear today, aren't you, Arnie? Yeah, Arnie's in form, isn't he? You can tell he's, you can tell he's had a win. <laughs> I, um, mate, end on a, a really happy note. We, we saw some uh, footage from the dressing room, the boys celebrating. 
Take us back to the team hotel when everyone was back there. We, we saw Martin Boyle, I, I dare say, was probably at the, the, the lead of the celebrants but uh, and, and Mitchell Duke and Sainsbury. But what was it like just sitting around the pool with the boys, job done, um, given that moment to just enjoy it? Oh, it was, uh, you know, it was fantastic. It's, you know, we have a special, if, if anything, obviously COVID has obviously thrown a lot of things at us, but what it's done, it's made the family stronger. And it's made the mateship stronger, the brotherhood stronger, that uh, they are really now so close that, you know, that uh, they will they will do anything for each other. So it was just, uh, you know, we got back to the hotel about one one thirty, and, you know, obviously there's, a, a, you know, a place in the hotel that the boys could have a couple of beers and enjoy themselves and then uh, in the pool bar afterwards. But uh, they were extremely well behaved and... Uh, and as I said, they just enjoyed their, their time and the moment because, as I said to them after the game, you know, these moments don't come often and you've got to enjoy it, behave yourselves and uh, get, let's get back to your clubs, work hard because, you know, the, team, the, the, the squad is going to be picked in another four months and you've got to be in form. And, you know, that's my only concern with the A-League players is, you know, how do we, you know, I've got to obviously talk to the APL uh, uh owners and that because the A-League is starting mid-October and the World Cup starts, you know, early uh, November. So we need those boys playing and playing earlier. Well, Graham, I just want to read this text before we say goodbye to you this morning. Um, this from George. He said, I just want to let you know that Arnie did something very special for our family back in 2005. My daughter was suffering from anorexia and we were struggling to control this illness. Our daughter loved Lucas Neal, so I approached Graham to see if he could do anything to help. He gave my daughter an Australian jersey signed by Lucas. This helped her start her turnaround from this illness. So a lovely message there um, from George to you, Arnie. And I think I'd like to say on behalf of all Australians uh, to watch not just that game on Tuesday, but how you've dug deep through a lot of criticism and, and, and people taking shots at you over the particularly, you know, the last few months in this World Cup campaign, I just think the way you've represented this country and that Socceroos badge has been exemplary. And I'm certainly very proud to follow you into the World Cup. And I know a lot of Aussies are as well. Um, best of luck with the squad in November. It's a tough job, as you mentioned, against uh, the French, Denmark and also Tunisia. But the one thing we know, you and that squad is going to show plenty of heart. And we thank you for your time this morning. Uh, thank you, guys. And uh, thank you for your support. Thank yep. you. See you, Graham Arnold uh, joining us this morning. Um, a terrific guy. And look, I know you both, particularly you, Mossy, are personally invested in, in Graham's journey and success. But I really hope that's all behind us now. Any any criticism of, of Graham and, and, and the World Cup campaign and not directly qualifying, um, that's all behind us now. We're there. We can all get on board and support our Socceroos squad. Yeah, that's right. And look, when you talk about criticism... Um, subsiding, you know, I think it's healthy that we criticise and analyse performances of the team, 100%. And the more we do that, the more mature we'll become as a as a team. And we are a football nation now. We, this is our fifth consecutive and sixth overall World Cup. So we are a football nation. Let's critique performances. Let's criticise performances. Let's let's applaud, uh, applaud good performances. But let's keep the personal stuff out of it because that, that just wins for no one. Yep, and a nice text here from John from Moorbank as well. Great chat with Graham Arnold, straightforward 
and doesn't sugarcoat things. Yep, he's a great representation for our Aussie culture, isn't he? Still plenty more to come on the Big Sports Breakfast weekend. Phil Buzz Rotfield will be joining us a little bit later and we'll be taking your calls on the open line number as well, 135353 and the SMS as well, 0419767272. Stay with us on the Big Sports Breakfast weekend. The putters panel. I'm hoping Dragonstone can somewhat posse up midfield if possible. He gets a long way back in his races. Went to Flemington 42 days between runs and ran a clear new peak on our numbers and he's a horse that has improved with every run this preparation. On my figures, his best runs have all come on the dry track. Gets the right profile for me. Breathing fire today. Dragonstone for a much-deserved victory. The putters panel. Friday morning, Racing HQ. Get into Totally Workwear Rydalmere for all your winter workwear gear. We stock the best brands like King G, Hard Yakka, FXD and Steel Blue with a huge range of pants, jumpers, jackets and boots. Check out the new Fuse Workwear by King G. You won't be disappointed. Does your workwear branding need a freshen up? Get in store and talk to Darren and the team. Open till 7pm every weekday. Totally Workwear Rydalmere, 279 Victoria Road. Your one-stop winter workwear shop. Finance your new Navara with Nissan Future Value. Low monthly repayments available and a guaranteed future value so you can upgrade more often. Visit your Nissan dealer today. Approved private Nabian applicants only. T's and C's apply. Foreign-owned bookies like Sportsbet and Ladbrokes are taxed less than other Australian gambling products. Support our call for fair play. Visit fairplaycoalition.com.au for more details. Authorised by Aussie Fair Play Coalition Proprietary Limited, Melbourne. G'day, it's Sean Garlic here from Garlow's Pies. The best thing about our pies is the deliciously flaky pastry on top, a bottom which is rolled extra thin, and a filling which is bursting with flavour. Plenty of flavours to choose from, like lean beef, curry beef, sausage rolls. We even have junior pies that you can give to the whole family. Find us in the Coles and Woolworths chilled meals section. And if you can't find us, ask for us by name. Garlow's Pies, we're thin on pastry, we're big on meat. Talking all the overnight action. What a performance. What a moment this is. The Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. It is the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Um, Some lovely texts coming through uh, from our listeners. Outstanding interview with Arnie. I know his brother Colin uh, from our local golf club at Karela. He and his wife are lovely people. That's from Jason at Kirawee. And uh, Michael says, Arnie may have said, I'll be back, but our Arnie did it. I'll be back. Um, great stuff. And Mossy, thank you for joining us for that this morning. Always great to see you um, live in person. How are you going to enjoy the rest of your Sunday? Funnily enough, I'm catching up with Arnie for a beer this afternoon. So Is that right? <laughs> That's how I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, yeah, I haven't had a chance to see him face-to-face yet and give him a hug and just congratulate him. I'm so proud of what he's achieved and how he's got there. It's, it's been a tough road for him. Um, and I know he's not going to rest on his laurels. You know, the performances at the World Cup will be everything. But great to be here this morning. Quick shout out to Colin Arnold's wife, Tracy, as well, and Sarah, his wife, um, because they have been absolute rocks in his life uh, behind the scenes, as well as some some close friends. So just great to have him on air. And as everyone's tweeting in or, or texting in, he's a great Australian and he uh, calls it how it is. Mm, good stuff, Mossy. And of course, we'll hear you with the big sports breakfast team this week. And, and you and I will reunite... Um uh, the following week for the Big Sports Breakfast. Looking while forward to that, mate. Loz and Clarkie and, and Mido take a bit of a break. Yeah, we'll take the show to a whole new level, as we always do, <laughs> and leave it for them to come back. 
Good on you, Mossy. Always great to see you and uh, great talking football, particularly when our Socceroos have made it through to the World Cup, which will take place in November. Okay, Tanya, welcome back. You've got a bit of a sport update. There's a bit happening this morning with the US Open golf happening as well and plenty of scores from overnight as well. On the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend, a sports update with Tanya Thomas. Yes, indeedy, Ryan. We'll look at third round of the US Gulp Open this morning in Massachusetts. And on top of the leaderboard, Will Zalatoris, Matt Fitzpatrick and John Rahm. They're at four under. Scotty Scheffler, Keegan Bradley, Adam Hadwin next at two under. And then there's a group of three at minus one, which includes Rory McIlroy. Of the Australians, Minwoo Lee, the best placed in a tie for 19th at two over. Adam Scott and Mark Leishman plus four and Todd Sinnott at plus six. Parramatta is back in the winner's circle after being flogged by Canterbury five days ago, defeating the Roosters last night 26-16 at Combank Stadium. The Eels scored five tries in the first half. Penrith thrashed the Warriors 40-6. It was the Warriors' final home game in Redcliffe as they now head back to New Zealand to family and friends to resume home games in Auckland. And Cronulla back in the top four with an 18-10 win over the Gold Coast. Today, Canberra and Newcastle play at two and it's Canterbury and the West Tigers at 4.05. The Platinum Jubilee Stakes didn't go to plan for the Australian horses at Royal Ascot overnight, with Artorias placing third and home affairs out of the placings. Artorias's trainer, Sam Friedman, was, however, very happy with his horse as he was the unlucky runner of the race, coming from last with a powerful late surge through the pack, only to be checked with 150 metres to go. And if he pulls up OK, we'll stay in the UK for the July Cup at Newmarket. Well, Home Affairs trainer Chris Wallace said his horse was a victim of his own speed. Leading the charge with 25 horses chasing him, he eventually finished 17th. He subsequently has pulled up sore and has more than likely run his last race. Meanwhile, despite being on the other side of the world, Waller had five winners at Rose Hill yesterday, including Skyman in the McKell Cup and the Chris Months trained Smart Meteor won the Ipswich Cup. The Crusaders won the inaugural Super Rugby Pacific title, defeating the Blues in yesterday's final at Eden Park 21-7, scoring two tries to one. The Canterbury side were dominant from the start, leading 13-0 at halftime. It's the franchise's 13th rugby championship. After a slow start to the season, the Western Bulldogs are on a roll, winning four of their last five games, knocking over the Giants at Giants Stadium last night, 125-105. Sydney went down to Port Adelaide, 82-59 at the Adelaide Oval. Jared Healy on Fox Footy said the Swans showed they didn't cope well with the bye, turned up and got ambushed. And Geelong's Tom Hawkins kicked his 700th AFL goal to help the Cats fight off a spirited West Coast to win 74-62. West Coast Fever is into the is the first team through to the Super Netball Grand Final after a convincing win over the Melbourne Vixens last night, 71 to 62. The Vixens do live to fight another day, however, and will play the winner of today's elimination final between the Giants and the Magpies next Saturday night. Nick Kyrgios was beaten overnight in the semi-final of the grass court tournament in Hull, Germany by Polish player Hubert Herkatz, 4-6-7-6-7-6. In the final, he'll take on Daniel Medvedev, who beat Oscar Otti in the other semi. Anton Di Pasquale won his first race of the supercar season, taking out race one 
in the Darwin Triple Crown yesterday. Two more races today. Still with motor racing and Max Verstappen has pole for the Canadian Formula One Grand Prix. Ferrari Charles Leclerc will start the race from the back row of the grid after taking a penalty for a new engine. Dan Ricciardo from ninth. Francesco Bagnaia has pole for the German MotoGP. Aussie Jack Miller incurred a penalty for a crash he had in free practice and he'll start from sixth. And Australia has won, a, has a winning start to the World Swim Championships in Budapest with Elijah Winnington winning the men's 400 freestyle, recording the fastest time in the event in a decade, guys. That's a pretty good effort. So happy for Elijah. He was looking for redemption. He was the gold medal favourite for Tokyo, if you remember, and he finished seventh and was devastated. He fell into a semi-depression when he got back, but after winning the national title, was determined to parlay that into a win in Budapest, and he's done just that. Now, it's a truth universally acknowledged that we have the best sprinters in horse racing, but mm -hmm. I think we also have the best sprinters in women's swimming as well because our 4 by 100 metres women's relay won gold last night in the fifth fastest time in history. No Emma McKeon, no Kate Campbell, no Bronte Campbell, who are the powerhouse in relay racing um, in Australia in the women's. This time it was Molly O'Callaghan, Maddie Wilson, Meg Harris and Shana Jack combined to win the gold medal. So that's terrific, isn't it? Big effort. Yeah, big effort. The Aussie men uh, won silver. They won silver behind the USA and that team um, contained the superstar Caleb Dressel. So that was a good effort by the men's. Just quickly back to the men's 400. Now one of the favourites to challenge Elijah Winnington was Mac Horton. Mac went into the heat. His tactics were to conserve his energy um, in order, you know, for the final. But he finished third in that heat. And then when the list came out for the finalists, he missed out by 0.1 of a second finishing in ninth. How gut-wrenching. You know, you, you, that's your tactic to go in to conserve your energy and then you find out you miss out by 0.1 of a second. 0.1. <laughs> Oh, it must have been just devastating. So he'd be, uh, yeah, as I said, he'd be mortified and devastated over that. But more Aussies in action in the pool tonight. Yeah, our talk topic this morning has been the Lazarus effect, people that have uh, risen after being written off. And speaking of the swimming um, that we've just been talking about there with Tanya, this um, great message from Brett from Richmond. Modern day comeback, Shana Jack winning gold, anchoring the team and winning the 4 by 100 final relay to win gold at the World Swimming Championships, obviously after going through that court battle and, and, and being rubbed out. So, yeah, it's, it's terrific that she's back in the pool and, and doing really well with the Commonwealth Games just around the corner. Thanks very much for that, Tanya. There's still plenty more to come on the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend, a break, and then Phil Buzz Rothfield will be up next. Luke Marlowe on Singapore. Tom Wood vacated the head broadcasting role in Singapore to go to Hong Kong. They asked me if I would be interested. And when I really had a good think about it, the opportunity to, to go and live in a different country and experience a different racing jurisdiction was just too big of a draw card. And I had a fabulous 18 months up there. Monday's Experts. Monday's Experts. 11am Monday on Racing HQ. Get into Totally Workwear Bridalmere for all your winter workwear gear. We stock the best brands like King G, Hard Yakka, FXD and Steel Blue with a huge range of pants, jumpers, jackets and boots. Check out the new Fuse Workwear by King G. You won't be disappointed. Does your workwear branding need a freshen up? Get in store and talk to Darren and the team. Open till 7pm every weekday. Totally Workwear Bridalmere, 279 Victoria Road. Your one-stop winter workwear shop. Foreign-owned bookies like Sportsbet and Ladbrokes are taxed less than other Australian gambling products. Support our call for fair play. 
Visit fairplaycoalition.com.au for more details. Authorised by Aussie Fairplay Coalition Proprietary Limited, Melbourne. The Nissan Navara is built tough for the week and the weekend. It's got an impressive 3.5-tonne brake towing capacity and advanced off-road capability. Visit your Nissan dealer today. T's and C's apply. With Play Central on the Tab app, you can watch the greatest racing from Australia and around the world wherever you want. Like while working on your tan at the beach. Flicking between Sky Racing 1, 2 and Thoroughbred Central while waiting for your car to be washed. And you can watch and bet while you're getting a short back and sides. Play Central, only on the Tab app. Tab, long may we play. Available online for tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help, 1-800-858-858. Deliciously flaky pastry on top of bottom, which is rolled extra thin, and a filling of 100% lean Aussie beef. Yes, I'm talking about Garlo's Pies, the only pies you should be putting on your plate. Garlo's Pies fan, Ryan? Love them. Oh, aren't they good? Love them. Beautiful. Big on meat. <laughs> Big <laughs> on meat. <laughs> Garlo's Pies are simply bursting with flavour. And there's heaps of flavours to choose from. Here's a thought. Take a night off from cooking and grab a Garlo's family pie for the whole crew. They are available in all Coles and Woolworths stores. And remember, we are located in the chilled meal section. And if you can't find us, ask for Garlo's pies by name. Garlo's pies. They're thin on pastry. They're big on meat. And Pete drives one out to left. So they're going back to the warning track. Here the wall and out of here. A grand slam for Pete Alonso. Alonzo's second grand slam of the season is 19th home run. And the Mets have scored seven runs at the bottom of the sixth inning and lead it 10 to 1. On Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab, this is the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. And it's been great having you as part of the show this morning with the open line number 1350353 in the SMS as well, 0419767. 272. Um, I better read this one out from Glenn in Newcastle because he's, he's had a crack at this for a, a few times. So I better read it out. Um, morning, Ryan and Bulldog. Just think, mate, talking about you, Bulldog, that on this day in 12 months' time with your acting skills and my talent management, you'll be on the Gold Coast waiting to receive your Logie for best new talent for your role as John Palmer's permanent replacement <laughs> in Summer Bay. <laughs> oh, Glenn, I wait. Every morning the phone rings and I go and check whether it's someone from home and away saying, just come and sit in the background at the cafe. That's all I want. That's all I want, Ron. I want to be on home and away. So this is not a G up. You actually I like would go home on and home and away. I wouldn't have watched it since Alex Paps was in it. It's okay. We all have our certain TV shows we love, <laughs> but I want to be on home and away. Ray promised me he'd get me on mm. and it's fallen through. So if anyone's out there, just get me in the background. Good on you, Bulldog. You've got something in common with 12-year-old girls. You've, you've like <laughs> home and away. Good stuff. All right, let's uh, talk some footy now, and there's plenty going on in the NRL. And if there is, this man has his finger on the pulse of it, and that is Phil Buzz Rothfield. Good morning, Buzz. Yeah, good morning. I was going to say it might be, uh, just for ratings-wise, might be an idea to talk more, more pertinent rugby league matters than Dean's um, acting. Three. We're very diverse in this show. We discuss <laughs> we discuss life, not just sport. Dean, people want mail on the origin side that's been picked tonight more than your acting. I can trust me. All right. Well, if that's the case, give us the mail, Buzz. Who's in? Who's out? Oh, a little bit of mail round yesterday. I think Matt Burton's going to be in the side. 
And look, I know you checked with Brandy last week and sort of bumming and narring wasn't certain. But obviously, um, Jack Whiteman getting COVID has changed that. And, you know, it's such a moving bridge. I, I think Matt Burton will be in the side. I'm not so sure about Josh Addo-Carver. Burton on the bench, Buzz, or would he be in the centres? Um, he'll be there somewhere, dog. Yes. Look, centres are all the bench. So, Abby Corusau at, at 14 and, and, and Matt Burton on the bench as well, you, you, you're you tipping? Well, I like, look, I, I think Abby Corusau's got to be in 14. In the Damien Cook making 50 tackles, and he's done it a couple of weeks in a row, it's, it's burning him out, and, and he, he's not squirting out a dummy half like we know he can. So, I, I, I think Corusau has to be in 14, and I think Burton. Not just five eight centre can play an edge as well, where he trained at Penrith the previous off season before he went to the Bulldogs, and but he, he'll definitely be there from what I gather this morning. But I feel a bit sorry for Ado Car because Freddie tried to suggest me earlier in the week that he's going to watch form on the weekend. But my view is that they've decided the team; they are in the process of contacting players now. They who have to go into camp at Coogee before they fly up to Perth and. I'm not sure that he'll get the opportunity to show selectors there at uh, this afternoon's game. Jake Trebojevic? Yeah, he's their dog, isn't he? Oh, I understand he will be there, Buzz. If not, they're certainly discussing him very heavy. They want to tighten up the middle a bit there, and they think Jake's their man. Yeah, I laughed at Talakai saying after the game yesterday to Michael Karianis, come on, Freddie, give me a call. Look, he played strong, and he's, he's been a dynamic player, hasn't he, this year? mainly early in the season, but I, I, I think he might miss out. I what, think... Uh, sorry. I was just also going to say, Buzz, um, what about Queensland? Because they've got their own sort of selection issues. Xavier Coates, obviously he's out. Reuben Cotter's got a hamstring injury. We're hearing probably Jai Arrow might come in for him. But what about that winger spot, Xavier Coates? Are you hearing anything there as far as the Queenslanders are concerned? Well, I think Corey Oates has been pretty out. Andy, hasn't he? Yeah, I thought he's been. The, the ones I've heard, though, are um, Taolungi and um, uh, Tabuai Fado. But yeah. uh, I agree with you. I, I thought Corey Oates, particularly, he's terrific under that high ball. Yeah, no, I'd be running with Corey Oates, but they're not going to listen to New South Wales people and tell them <laughs> how to pick the side. Billy did such a good job in game one, and um, I'm sure whatever team they take to Perth, they're going to be awfully hard to beat. If I was Lindsay Collins, I'd be a little bit concerned about the Lifting tackle last night wasn't as bad as probably the two we've seen earlier in the season, but I'm sure the match review committee are looking at it very, very closely as we speak this morning. Hey, Buzz, in your Watch the Buzz column in the Sunday Telegraph, you uh, write about Lachlan Ilias. Obviously, he was hooked from the game inside the opening 30 minutes. Tell us about your story, and do you think the kids' confidence will be knocked for six? Yeah, well, I described it as probably the season's most humiliating moment, you know, for a kid, 14 games, dragged off, uh, 28 minutes, 30 minutes, whenever it was. Um, you blame him for the fact that South were down 32 nil. I think that's a bit tough. Um, South obviously needed some points, and uh, the coach thought Cody Nicarima could probably ignite their attack better than young Lockie Ilias. Um, look, I spoke to the young fella, um, I really liked his attitude. Sounded very determined. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to train harder. I'm going to play harder. 
Look, he was always going to be under enormous pressure and under a really bright spotlight this year, stepping into the shoes of a club legend in Adam Reynolds. And look, I don't think he's probably come up as impressively as South might have hoped. And, you know, I think it's a shame that the club lost so many seasons. Well, for start, lost Wayne Bennett, then they lost Adam Reynolds, then they lost Benji Marshall, then they lost Dane Gatt. That's a lot of experience to take out of a footy club, which I think the young halfback could have learnt from. You've also got to consider that during COVID, there wasn't a lot of second-grade football or feeder club football, so he hasn't played a lot in the last three years. But I think he deserves another chance. The coach, Jason Demetrio, says he will use him in there after the uh, international round and origin round. He'll use him against Parramatta. And look, I, I love the way... The, did you, I, I watched Channel 9 the other night. I switched over uh, just after the game, just to get a look at that dressing room camera. And it was lovely how Cody Walker and um, Damien Cook were, you know, putting an arm around him, chatting to him quietly, just in the corner of the sheds. And, um, you know, they're a good club, South. And I, I know they haven't had their best season, but big Latrell's back the following week. And um, I wouldn't be putting the red felt pen through them just yet. Okay. Buzz, also in your article, that horrible, horrible tackle we saw with Brent Naden only copping four weeks. And there were a lot of people, I guess, criticising that decision from the match review, but probably none more pertinent than Alex McKinnon. Yeah, look, it was funny because most people were blowing up last week about the Kapusi elbow on Sam Walker. But I thought the big story was the um, was the, the lifting tackle and... Um, I think we're very, very lucky that Jake Turbo wasn't more wasn't seriously hurt. It was a particularly bad one, and I'm not saying there was any intent whatsoever from Brett and Nate. It was careless more than anything else. A bit of a brain explosion to lift the player's leg diagonally and then spearing him into the ground like he did. Look, I, I like what Alex said. Is you've got to think of uh, the repercussions of these tackles. Um, the fact Jake got up shouldn't be an issue. I, I think anyone who repeats that tackle needs an eight to ten week suspension. We've got to get them out of the game. You just can't lift players and then follow through like he did. I thought it was much worse than the first one we saw on the Central Coast when Cameron Murray was speared in around five or six. And do you agree, dog? They've got to get heavier. It's the only way to get rid of them. Yeah, I thought maybe another week or two. Uh, Carl Lawton, I oh, think, I got four weeks. As shocker, well. mate. Yeah, Carl Lawton got four weeks too, Buzz, I think, for the dangerous throw on Cameron Murray up there in Gosford a few weeks ago. So, I, look, I thought five, six weeks. But, yeah, there are certain acts on a footy field which we have to get very tough on and two of them are spear tackles and, of course, Eye gouging. Buzz, I'm really looking forward to the World Cup later this year. I think there's a lot of sides that can win it. Clearly Australia, New Zealand, England, and now the emergence of Tonga and Samoa. But it seems like, from what you've written this morning, that organisers are struggling to sell the Australian TV rights. Well, it's an interesting story, Bulldog, because the International Rugby League were in charge of selling it around the world. And 
they've come to both Fox Sports and Channel 9 and Channel 7 asking for far too much money. And even on the side, they're trying to sell a documentary to a Netflix or a Prime. and So they're asking these networks to pay the big bucks to cover this tour, but then they're going to give another streaming company better access than what the official broadcasters will get. So, look, they've reached the stalemate. They can't get the money they're chasing, so they've come to Peter Volandis and they've come to Andrew Abdo, who did the big five-year NRL TV deal. And I can't see a World Cup taking place with a TV blackout in Australia, but they are going to have to drop their price. I think they're going to have to show more respect, whether it's Nine, whether it's Fox Sports, whether it is Seven, and um, give them the access that they want to bring the games back into our lounge rooms like it's never been done before. And um, like as you said, it is going to be a sensational World Cup, almost as much as Origin. I'm so looking forward to New Zealand and Tonga next weekend. One of the things that I, I was surprised to learn this week, Buzz, and I know you've expanded on it in your column, we, we know the great Benny Elias obviously is a colourful character in, in, in the game of rugby league, but he's also a very entrepreneurial-minded person and he's the man behind these LED light goalposts that we saw in Game 1 of, of, of State of Origin and now he, he looks as though he's brokered a bit of a deal, has he? Yeah, well, the NRL have taken up a deal for the goalposts. They're going to use them in the three Origin games and the grand final. And Neil Maxwell, the ex-cricketer, is involved and he's going overseas and, and he's trying to sell them through Europe and to the NFL in America. I think they add a bit to the game, the experience at the ground, the television coverage. What I like about Benny is he's so commercially and uh, financially savvy in that he retired at 29. He went to a phone business with Telstra. He finished up with 40 stores, then went into property development. He's done very well for himself. And unfortunately, there aren't enough players like him who have done so well post their rugby league careers. And I think he's got a very good point he makes today is that, and I'm not going to name any or the former players who have fallen on hard times, but there needs to be better uh, process with education for footballers during their careers so that when they retire, they are in a position to, you know, a, a lot of NRL, I think the average NRL career is four years, four and a half years. And they get out of rugby league and they know nothing more than footy. They're not doing courses and they're not doing degrees. They're not trained as carpenters or plumbers or electricians like they used to be when footy players were part-time. And I think, you know, Benny's a, a really good example of, of, the, of the work the game has still got to do in that area. Buzz, just before you go, uh, the rumour won't go away that Reese Walsh, the gun warriors number one, is reluctant to see out the remainder of his contract with the Warriors. Can you bring us up to date on that speculation? Well, if you were the hottest or one of the hottest young kids in rugby league and you played out the back of the really, really ordinary football side, certainly for the last eight weeks, if you had a young partner, young child, would you want to uproot, leave Australia and spend the next couple of years in New Zealand? Oh, no, I wouldn't. And there is a fear, and I even bounced it off Cameron George, the chief executive officer, uh, 
early in the week, he said he'd heard the rumour himself. And the Redcliffe Dolphins have to be very, very careful because they cannot step in and entice the player to break his contract. What they can do is sit back very discreetly and wait, and wait for the player, wait for the manager to make a move and then jump in. Peter O'Sullivan originally signed uh, Reese Walsh from the Broncos to join the Warriors, and he would no doubt be monitoring this one very, very closely. They do need a high-profile uh, spine player. They still haven't got half five-eight Hawker. When I say that, they haven't got them. They haven't got the necessary talent there yet to, to make any mark in the competition. So I'd be monitoring that one very closely, gentlemen. Indeed. Uh, Buzz, always great to chat on the Big Sports Breakfast weekend. You'll be with the boys uh, this week as well on the Big Sports Breakfast. And thanks for bringing us up to date with all the news in sport. And mate, you don't want my tip. Oh, what's your tip? I'm tipping the Raiders against the Knights. Mate, I've got a huge fan club, right? Have you? Sorry, sorry, Buzz. I, I, I didn't want to, um, you know, cut you off before giving your fans what they want. So, Canberra's your tip. Now, I'm tipping the Raiders to knock off the Knights and the Doggies to knock off the Tigers. The That's Doggies to... want, Bulldog, the tip. The what Doggies to continue the form. I had a lunch and a few beers with Laurie at... Oh, I'm filthy on Laurie. Don't a bring lunch that up. on Friday. Mm. And... After a couple of beers, we decided we'd FaceTime Phil. So Phil's picked up, and mm. Laurie, very cheekily, has had a crack at Phil's cheeks because they were looking decidedly redder than normal. <laughs> so I think Phil's a bit uh, a bit miffed about That's Laurie's comment me. about your cheeks. Has any of your contributors ever hung up on you? <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm filthy on him. I'll tell you why. Laurie only sees me one day a week, and it's in the green room when he comes in and does his tab odds on Wednesday nights. And I've just come off NRL 360, and I am absolutely covered in makeup. <laughs> they painted on So he doesn't see the, the cheeks as they normally are. And it came as quite a shock to him then. But, mate, I'm dirty on it, and I think they're going to human resources at uh, Sky about this the other day. I'm, I'm sure you'll happy. discuss it on air. Oh, you, you don't want to shoot Bambi, the nicest man in rugby league, Laurie Daly, Buzz. I think even oh, he's mate. off limits, isn't he? Right, as you know, I can find a blue with anybody, <laughs> including the world's nicest man. <laughs> Good on you, Buzz. Thanks, Buzz. Always great to chat. Thanks, mate. Enjoy Thanks, your Sunday. Bye. Buzz Rothfield uh, joining us there. Now, coming up on Racing HQ with Simon Harrison, Priscilla Looker previews the meeting at Port Macquarie. It's a showcase meeting there today, minimum $30,000 in prize money, so a good meeting there at Port Macquarie. And Mick Wallace is going to look at Canamble. Uh, the Big Sports Breakfast will be back tomorrow morning at 5.30 with Jared Middleton, Laurie Daly and Michael Clark with all the regular guests this week. So looking forward to that. And a big thank you to our guests today on the Big Sports uh, Breakfast weekend. Of course, we had Ray Thomas joining us from the UK, and Ray will be back next week. You'll be reunited with your mate again next uh, week. Be embraces all round. Oh, you'll be very happy about that. A big thank you to uh, Peter Peters, Zorba as well, Jared Daffy joining us. Phil Moss uh, was in as well. Uh, we just spoke to Buzz Rothfield. And a big thanks to Graham Arnold. Wasn't it terrific to talk to Graham Arnold? Some lovely feedback on the text line, people enjoying that particular interview and... What a great Australian he is, and now we can focus on a World Cup campaign in November. Yeah, it was really lovely to see those text messages come through. Quite a lot of them just saying, great interview, boys, and just how honest Arnie is. He's mm. up front. There's no games. There's no 
sort of, uh, yeah, there's no sugar-coating things that aren't there to be sugar-coated. He says it as he is. He says it as he sees it. It's refreshing in this world, and I, for one, am thrilled that Arnie got the rewards he deserves. Indeed. And if you'd like to revisit any of today's show or the interviews, you can go to Spotify or the podcast icon on your iPhone or Android. Um, Dog, thank you for letting me sit thank in for the for last coming. couple of weeks. You and I will be actually reunited not next week but the following week where we uh, are filling in for the regular Big Sports Breakfast team during the week. So I'll chat to you then. Looking forward I to that. I think I'm in on the Thursday and the Friday. Friday, so yeah. And we'll be talking a lot of rugby league. Well, that has been the Big Sports Breakfast weekend. Enjoy your Sunday. And enjoy your sport.